Hey everyone, this is Greg Shoots for ReadyForTheDraft.com, and this is the Ready for the Draft podcast. Four weeks of the college football season now in the books, and I'll tell you what, week four was especially interesting. Quite a few games that uh, really caught my eye. I'll tell you what, I think the first thing that you really have to talk about is is that Old Dominion Virginia Tech game. Uh, Old Dominion uh, having the Hokies come to Norfolk, Virginia, knock off the number 13 ranked Hokies, 49-35. We're going to talk about uh, some of the Monarchs' top prospects. There are three guys on that team that I think will be on NFL rosters uh, when we when we talk about the draft there in, in 2019, uh, led by, obviously, uh, O'Shane Zimenez, uh, the defensive end. Uh, I think he'll be a perfect outside linebacker in the 3-4 scheme. Really looking forward to seeing what he can do. Uh, and then there are a couple of receivers that you're going to have to get to know there at Old Dominion. And then, of course, there was that Stanford game. I mean, if you didn't get a chance to watch that Stanford game against against the Ducks, that was a wild one to say the least. Uh, you, know, you you saw the Stanford Cardinal get down 24 to 7 and it looks like the Ducks are going to go in and score to take uh take a 31 to 7 commanding lead. There's a fumble, ball gets kicked back, they lose 9 yards. Two plays later, ball gets snapped over Justin Herbert's head and Joey Alfieri, the linebacker, picks up the fumble, returns it 80 yards for a touchdown. Stanford then, you know, it was a obviously a 14-point swing there. Went from 31 to, to 7 to now it's, uh, you know, 24-14. And Stanford, you know, the Ducks in the first half, you know, they scored on every single one of their drives. And then second half, it was all about, about the Stanford Cardinal. And, and, you know, Bryce Love was held in check for the most part. You're talking about an offense that was airing the football out. K.J. Costello is going to be someone we're going to be talking about uh, for the 2020 draft. I think he's someone who has some of the skills, some of the potential. Um, you know, you see some mistakes that he's, that he's continuing to make, but he knows what to do with the football and he's allowing his big playmakers to make plays. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, I'm telling you what, he's got to be continuing to move up draft boards. It's like a rebounder uh, in basketball out there when you throw the ball up to him in the end zone. But he's not the only one. you got Caden Smith, the tight end. To me, he's the number one tight end prospect. I know right now I have Noah Fant sitting there, and, and really a lot of that is, is due to the fact that I think Noah Fant can be more of a vertical threat uh, than any of the other tight ends in this draft. But Caden Smith, to me, number one overall tight end prospect, and he's been showing it week in and week out uh, in Pac-10, Pac-12 play. And then Colby Parkinson, you know, the game-winning touchdown, crazy play with that tip. You know, he's 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 got defenders around him, able to tip the ball to himself and uh, make that catch in overtime. Uh, Stanford coming back to defeat the Ducks. We're going to be talking about that game quite a bit. Justin Herbert, my number one quarterback, and we'll talk about exactly why he is sitting there. Uh, you know, he completed 78.8% of, your, of his passes against a Stanford defense. Uh, that, that's something, you know, something to, uh, to really look at. Oklahoma, number five uh, ranked Oklahoma Sooners, had the Army come in. You know they they run that that triple option, and Oklahoma had a tough time. You know the the uh, Army Golden Knights. You know they they wound up with you know having a over three to one uh, lead in terms of time time of possession. 
over 45 minutes to just 13 for the Sooners, that's going to make a huge difference. You know, at the end of the day, the Sooners were able to get the job done in overtime, win 28-21. But ball position, you know, that's really, you know, that offense was their best defense against Kyler Murray. They weren't able to really stop him with the speed. They weren't able to match up defensively. But if you keep Kyler Murray off the field, you know, that's really what's going to make all the difference in the world. And then finally, how about Kentucky? They have Mississippi State come into their place, come into Kroger Field, number 14th ranked Bulldogs, you know, Joe, Mo- Joe Moorhead and company flying high. And there's Kentucky comes in 28 to 7. We're going to be talking a lot about Benny Snell. If you don't know that name yet, you know, you will. Because he's a legitimate pro prospect. Uh, to me, he's climbing up the boards. I think I have him at number four right now. Uh, we can scratch that already. Um, I, I've got to move Benny Snell up the boards. He's a lot of fun to watch. Um, just a guy who runs with power, runs with speed, uh, the lateral movement, and, and he runs with attitude. You know, that's one of the things that I really enjoy watching. Um, some of the some of my favorite running backs are, are the guys that have that attitude um, that they that they bring to the table when they run the football. And Benny Snell, I think, is at the top of the list right now. Uh, Texas, you know, has uh, hosted TCU, and maybe Texas is for real. You know, 31-16 winner over the the Horn Frogs. And, uh, you know, Texas is, is a team to watch out for. They play OU on uh, uh, first week of, of, of October. And so that's going to be an interesting game. Is, uh, is Texas for real? That's really what we're going to find out. But, hey, they already knocked off TCU. Uh, they've beaten USC. Uh, so Texas, are they all the way back? You know, probably not, but uh, you at least have Tom Herman firing on all cylinders with uh, defensive coordinator Todd Orlando. I think Todd Orlando is doing a great job coaching that defense up. And uh, 31-16 final. We'll talk about that game here in a little bit. Uh, Michigan, 56-10 over Nebraska. Poor, uh, you know, Scott Frost, you know, just can't get anything going there um, in Lincoln. Uh, Nebraska 0-3, you know, they're really struggling to find themselves. Um, Purdue against Boston College, we'll talk about that game here in a bit. Uh, but Purdue getting the best of, of the Eagles, 30-13. to And uh, Wisconsin, you know, weren't really sure exactly what we were going to see. You know, were they going to be able to rebound against Iowa? They were able to, to get it done in Kinnick Stadium. Um, number 18th ranked Badgers win 28 to 17. Um, you know, I definitely want to talk about that. Talk about the, the O-line play. O-line played, played much better than they did against the Cougars. And really, I think the Cougars, I don't think they were expecting to get hit in the mouth quite like they did. You know, the BYU Cougars under Kalani Tataki this year look like a much different football team. They, they play with much, much more, phys- you know, they're much more physical and they have more of an attitude. They're more intense. And that's really what I'm going to be looking forward to that game this week and uh, against Washington. You get the, the Huskies and the Cougars. Anything can happen. And that's really the, the matchup, one of the matchups that I'm going to be looking forward to uh, as we get into, uh, into the weekend here. I was busy again over the course of this, this past weekend. 17 more games that I was able to get through from beginning to end. Uh, didn't get much sleep, not going to lie, so uh, kind of running on fumes right now. Going to have to recover uh, a little bit, maybe go to bed early on Friday um, so that I'll be prepared uh, for the college football weekend. 
But uh, 17 games, so that puts me now at 80 of the 130 FBS programs that I've gotten to watch. And, uh, you know, just plugging away, you know, taking a look at as as many games as possible, trying to find as many different uh, draft prospects that we can talk about here uh, every single week. So the first game that we were going to talk about that I was able to watch was, uh, it was a Friday night contest, Central Florida against Florida Atlantic. Uh, Central Florida, UCF, 56-36 winners. Uh, Mackenzie Milton, again, you know, 300 yards passing again, three touchdowns. Um, you know, Gabriel Davis is, is a receiver to watch for uh, for UCF. He's a big, big receiver, big target, uh, a guy who can get vertical up the, up the seam, um, can make plays on the outside, but he's also a threat coming over the middle. Um, you know, there aren't, aren't a lot of receivers that are willing to go over the middle. A lot of the guys want to go ahead and uh, be that vertical threat. But when you've got a guy who's also a weapon coming over the middle and coming across, uh, across the field, then you've got a guy, um, who can excel at the next level. Um, Mackenzie Milton, you know, he's 5'11", 185 pounds. So he's not your typical, uh, NFL prospect from the, at the quarterback position, you know, he's under six feet tall, a lot of, uh, NFL franchises are going to look at that and immediately take him off their draft board. But here's one of the things that Milton has. He has that that it factor that that you're talking about with with Baker Mayfield. Um, you know, he just has a has a, a little bit of swagger to him. Um, throws an excellent deep ball, uh, excellent arm. Um, so you know, he, he does a great job. Good feel of the offense. Goes through his progressions very well. Sees the field. Um, you know, good eye discipline to to freeze the safety. And then you'll know, be able to to go to the opposite field, opposite end of the field, and uh, and, and hit his receiver. Um, you know, also a threat to run, dynamic playmaker, uh, running the football. Um, he'll probably get a, a late round flyer in the 2020 draft, um, but he's someone to keep an eye on as a as a potential Heisman sleeper. Obviously, Tua Tagovailoa is the Heisman favorite right now, and then you have Kyler Murray at OU. Uh, and and Dwayne Haskins there at, uh, at at Ohio State, but Mackenzie Milton's one of those guys you have to start talking about as one of those sleeper picks. Defensively, for the Golden Knights, you've got uh, Pat Jasinski, 105 tackles a season ago. Obviously, led the team, but you know there's an interception that he had early on in the game that I think really speaks to. Uh, Jasinski's level of play and just the instincts, the feel for the game gets excellent depth and coverage. Um, and then gets underneath the tight end, uh, coming over the middle and is able to step in, make that interception and then take off down the, uh, down the sideline. You know, Jasinski is, is just a playmaker and, you know, another eight tackles, uh, a tackle, tackle for loss, quarterback hurry, plus the interception, making plays all over the football field. He's a guy, to me, is probably going to end up being uh, a day three pick, probably sitting right around the fifth, sixth round, 6'1", 236 pounds. He's probably not going to test all that well at the combine, but when you're looking for guys who are just football players, they're good football players, they have excellent instincts, they have a good feel for the game, uh, they know where the football is going to be, and they... You know, really, you know, I always talk about, you know, if you want to know 
where the football is going to go. There are certain players that you want to watch that will be able to take you straight to the football. And Pat Jasinski is one of those guys. He's a guy who's going to make an NFL roster. You know, he may not start right away, but he's one of those guys who's going to be an asset for an NFL franchise. Devin Singletary uh, for the Owls. Three touchdowns, um, you know, with uh, on twenty-five carries, one hundred thirty-one total yards, um, for for Singletary. You know, the the Conference USA MVP a, a season ago. Uh, to me, you know, Singletary, I have him rated right now at number seven running back in the country. Um, again, five nine, two hundred pounds. He's only a junior. Could come back. Um, for his his senior season, but uh, you know, really the the biggest thing is, is he's kind of struggled a little bit to get going. You know, he, he needs some help with the quarterback play, uh, Chris Robinson and uh, you know uh, DeAndre Johnson there in uh, at, at FAU. But you know, there, there's no no doubt that that Singletary, the the speed, the explosiveness, uh, the vision, the cutback ability, the lateral cuts, um, the ability to make people miss in the open field, 45 receptions coming into the season, uh, 1,900 yards, just a season ago. And uh, if I were to pull up, you know, as I'm sitting here talking, I'm going to go ahead and pull up uh, Devin Singletary's stats so far for for this season. You know, they're 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 down in comparison to where he was at this point last season. Um, but, you know, Singletary through um, the first four weeks of the season, um, really UCF was his first game over uh, over 100 yards. Uh, against Bethune-Cookman, he did have five touchdowns. Um, so he's already racking up the touchdowns. He's up to 10 total for the season. A season ago, 32. That was third, I think tied for third in FBS history, I want to say. Uh, so 78 carries, 341 yards, 10 touchdowns. Uh, so Devin Singletary, well on his way to another another big year, another 1,000-yard season, uh, has a nose for the end zone, um, has a flair for the big play as well. Um, but... Uh, you know, you look at what he did in 2016 um, and, you know, a thousand yard rusher, 2017, 6.4 yards per carry, um, you know, here in, in 2018, he's a two full two yards um, below what his normal average is. So that has to be a, a concern for Lane Kiffin and company. Uh, they're just not as explosive offensively as they were a season ago. Um, so Kiffin, as they get into, to league play, that's really what he's going to be focusing on. looks like the owls have middle Tennessee, uh, this weekend, they're traveling to middle Tennessee for that game, uh, playing at Floyd field or Floyd stadium. So it'll be interesting to see what, uh, Devin, Devin Singletary can do. He's really looking for that breakout game. And I think he's really on the, on the cusp of being able to find that because again, he played, played pretty well against central Florida. Um, you know, and I think he's only going to continue to get better. Uh, the other guy who's who's really you know started a little slow out of the gate, but has been improving week after week is Aziz Al Shire. Um, you know he's he's one of my favorite inside linebackers because again, you know he's going to take you to the football. You know he's he's an athletic guy. He has excellent range, uh, covers the field sideline to sideline, can drop into coverage, can rush the passer. Um, you know if you look at, at where he's at so far this year. Uh, 28 total tackles, 15 of them against UCF. So he, he's really starting to hit a stride, really starting to 
um, you know, to make some plays. The biggest thing, though, that that's kind of surprising is he only has one tackle for loss. And you know, coming into this season, he had 28 career ta- tackles for loss. So I think teams are really starting to key in on him, and it's really going to be interesting to see what he can do coming into league play um, to make plays and be be effective. Um, defensively because if the owls are going to go anywhere you know that's the heartbeat of their defense you know he's the emotional leader uh that defense goes as he goes and you know frankly he just hasn't lived up to those expectations that have been placed upon him um you know against ou uh lincoln riley even came out and said that he's one of the best linebackers in all the country and he just you know the, the whole owl team including al shire just didn't show up for that game um in in Norman and OU blew out um, FAU, but he's somebody to keep an eye on. He is an, he's, he's an excellent football player. He's a guy who just has a good feel for the game. 146 tackles a season ago, uh, 10 tackles for loss, two and a half sacks, four pass breakups. So he can do a little bit of everything. And uh, he's a day three pick right now. He's probably, you know, fifth, sixth round again, but somebody who can make an NFL roster and I think he can work his way into a starting lineup before long. Penn State traveled to Champaign, took on Illinois Memorial Stadium, uh, took down Illinois 63-24 was the final. Uh, this was a game, though, where Illinois actually took the lead uh, against Penn State. They were up 24-21, and then Penn State proceeded to score 42 unanswered. Uh, to finish things out, you know, Trace McSorley hasn't, you know, it's, this was one of his more efficient games, you know, 12 of 19, 160 yards, um, and, and three touchdowns did throw another interception. Um, but you know, McSorley was a guy coming into the season where you were expecting to see, uh, you know, a lot of the flash, a lot of the playmaking ability. And, uh, he's just been very inconsistent. You know, you, I, I don't know if it's that he he's trying to do too much, because of the fact that he doesn't have Saquon. Um, but, uh, you know, you look at 2017, uh, 66.5% completion percentage, over 3,500 yards, 28 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. And he has 18 interceptions in his career coming into this season. And then if you look at his at his stats thus far, uh, eight touchdowns, two interceptions to this point, but only completing 54.2% of his passes. Um, that's something that, you know, if you know, you have to be efficient if you're going to be drafted um, when you're looking at, at you know a six foot quarterback. You have to be able to have that pinpoint accuracy, like Baker Mayfield. You know, when Baker Mayfield was under pressure, that's really when he seemed to set himself apart from all the other quarterbacks. He, he was just as accurate, sometimes even more accurate, when he was under duress. And with Trace McSorley. It's one of those things to where he's not making, not always making the right read. He's not always making the right decision. Um, you know, some of the sloppy passing. You know, at the same time, his receivers aren't all, always helping him either. Um, but you see the flashes. You know, there's a 21-yard touchdown. Um, you know, back shoulder fade to the wide side, and uh, you know, excellent touch. And uh, KJ Hamler was able to go up and make make a play on the football. Um, you know, to me, Trace McSorley. Is just one of those guys. He's got the moxie. He's he's somebody who's going to make an NFL roster. You know Taylor Heineke, um, when he came out, 
Nobody was talking about him. He was an undersized quarterback, and there he is as a backup there at the NFL level. Trace McSorley is a known commodity, and he's someone who, you know, he, it's things aren't going to get easier for him. He's going to go into Big Ten play, and he, um, you know, against the big boys. He's playing Ohio State this weekend, and we'll be talking about that. We'll be previewing that game a little bit, uh, but McSorley, he won't have to worry about Nick Bosa, but he is going to have Draymond, uh, you know, Draymond coming after him, and that's going to be interesting. You know, can Draymond Jones and, and company affect him? You know, the uh, Ohio State front. Uh, got a lot of, a lot younger, you know, they're, they're more inexperienced up front. So, you know, is Trace McSorley going to be able to take care, uh, take advantage of that? That's going to be a huge question mark. Um, you know, I got to watch uh, Juwan Johnson. He struggled, you know, has struggled with some drops. And that was really one of the things that I think they wanted to get him going early. Four receptions, 51 yards and a touchdown. You know, here's the thing with Juwan Johnson. He's 6'4", 225 pounds. He's only a junior. I hope he comes back. Or a senior season, he just needs to to polish his game a little bit. Um, I, I think the fact that he has a case of the drops that's gonna it's gonna scare off some NFL franchises. Um, but he uses his body very well. Ran a slant, um, you know, to the hash, cut up the field, got um, you know outside the linebacker, and uh, was able to go ahead and shield the defender from the football on a 16-yard touchdown. Um, just an excellent route, you know, and uh, was able to go ahead and climb the ladder to make the touchdown. Um, to me, you know, he, he's clearly the, you know, a, a cut above when you're talking about Penn State's um, wide receiving core. But, uh, you know, he's someone I, I also think that, you know, his confidence was a little shook with some of the drops and they really need to get him involved more in the offense uh, going forward. Um, on the offensive line, Connor McGovern. Uh, 6'5", 323 pounds, center and guard. So some of that versatility. Um, you know, he's a, he's one of those juniors that I could see coming out. One of those interior linemen, um, along with Nate Herbig. There are a few guys there on that on that interior, uh, who have a chance to, um, enter the draft and you know be drafted in the the first three rounds of the, um, of the draft. You know, very very strong at the point of attack. Um, you know, he, there was a linebacker that shot shot one of the gaps, and you know he was able to just take him um, right up the field and uh, allow the running back to um, to shoot the hole. Um, you know, he does a good job climbing to the second second level, and then just shows the leg drive to generate some some movement. Plays very well with leverage, and uh, you know there there was a a run play by Miles Sanders where he was able to wash down the the defensive tackle and basically just cleared a huge hole for, for Sanders to, to run through. Um, and, and you know, does it not uh, very athletic pulling, getting out in front of the, the running back able to locate, um, locate the defender out there on the edge was a, <laughs> took a defend uh, defensive end and just kind of shoved him down and uh, allowed my uh, Miles Sanders to get to the edge. So to me, you know, Connor McGovern is one of those guys that I could see being a second, third round pick uh, if he decides to come out. Then there's Miles Sanders. You know, Miles Sanders, only a junior, 5'11", 215 pounds. Is he going to enter the draft? Not likely, although, you know, if he continues to run the ball the way that he has been, um, you know, anything is possible. You look at it, 
you know, 22 carries, 200 yards, three touchdowns there against Illinois. And, uh, you know, coming into the season, you know, just 56 carries for, for 380 yards and four touchdowns as the backup for, um, for Saquon Barkley. And he's already eclipsed that, um, the, the, uh, the yard total for this, this season, actually the carry total as well. So he's already eclipsed everything that he's done. Um, but you see the, the physicality with which he runs, he has the burst as well to get through the hole and then he can be that home run threat. Um, you know, taking the, taking the ball, the distance for, for, for the touchdown. Um, you know, if we look at, at some of his play, you know, again, a downhill runner, um, you know, there was a play that, uh, you know, started, you know, run to the left hole opens up, able to plant and get downhill. You know, that's really one of the things, you know, he, he does a really good job. He's patient to allow those blocks to set up the vision to see the cutback lane, puts a foot in the ground, gets north and south, and then, you know, does a really good job setting up the defenders, sees the, uh, defender that's taking an angle and, uh, is able to, uh, set him up a good three yards prior to, um, you know, prior to the juke starts to, to chop his steps, fake inside, and then bounce the, the play outside and really left that defensive back out to dry. Um, so he can be that home run threat, um, can be a, you know, a, a receiver in the passing game as well. Um, runs with a low pad level, you know, lowers his shoulder to finish runs. That's one of the things that you really want to see in a running back is are they willing to finish the runs or are they going to go down easily after contact? Miles Sanders is not one of those guys. He's taking full advantage of the opportunity to start now that Saquon Barkley is gone. Um, it would behoove Miles Sanders to come back for a senior season, but he's having a tremendous year so far for the Nittany Lions and is really one of the focal points of this offense. Defensively for Penn State, uh, you know, a guy to keep an eye on, Sharif Miller, 6'5", 260 pounds, only a junior. Um, but I did want to bring up again, you know, this is a guy who's, who's just a pass pass rusher extraordinaire on the outside. Um, does a really good job setting up his his man, starts outside, and then is able to use a quick um, quick step to cross the face of the of the, the tackle to, to get an inside rush and uh, flush the quarterback from the pocket. Um, to me, Sharif Miller is a guy who uh, just continues to get better and better, you know, and uh, had a couple of co- uh, quarterback hurries um, in the game. But uh, to me, the best pro prospect right now on that defense is uh, Amani Orowarie, uh, you know, 6'1", 203 pounds. He wasn't starting until this season, um, but uh, does a really good job. Uh, getting in the over over the top of the route, you know, kind of cutting off the receiver and pushing him to the sideline. Just a, a you know good knowledge of of the routes that the receivers running, and really does just a good job of you know either getting over the top, like I said, using the sideline to his advantage. Runs in phase with the receiver, and you know really did a good job. You didn't see the ball thrown his way much during the game. Um, you know they chose to pick on Tara Castro uh, Castro Fields more often than not. Um, on the opposite side, along with with John Reed as well. Um, but when they did throw um, Oruwariye's way, you know he was able to make a play on the football. He's one of those guys. If you look at at my top ten, if you go to readyforthedraft.com, in my top ten for the cornerbacks, uh, you know Amani is sitting there at number three, and I think it's well deserved. Um, you know the play that he had a season ago. 
um, I think really stood out. So he was one of those guys that I was anticipating having a good year uh, once he finally was able to start because when he came out onto the field, he wasn't even starting, like I said, but four interceptions, seven pass breakups. You could see the instincts, the ball skills, um, you know, and, and the ability to, like I said, read the routes and, and make plays on the football. Illinois is a very young team. I think they have eight seniors on the roster. Uh, Lovey Smith with a very young team right now. But there are a couple of guys that I just wanted to make a quick mention before we move on to the next game. Um, Bobby Roundtree, defensive end, very active in the game. 12 tackles, a sack, two tackles for loss. Um, has started every game in his in his career with the uh, Illini. Um you know, you saw the the effort. You know, Chase uh, Trace McSorley, 16 yards down the field. Um, you know, and, and you want to see that out of out of your some of your top players. You know, are they going to put in that effort to to make plays, um, getting down the football field? And uh, you know, he does a good job getting getting his hand in the passing lane to knock down a pass. Um, really read the quarterback's eyes, took him to the the passing lane, and he was able to go ahead and make a play on the football. Um, really long reach, you know. Fought, that was his fifth pass breakup, by the way. Uh, you know, does a good job. He came inside on his own read. Quarterback had pulled, read the quarterback. Um, you know, with with that, you know, when he was able to go ahead and pull it, and uh, was able to get outside, chase down the quarterback, rack him up, wrap him up for a tackle for loss. Um, you know, also did a good job getting down the field um, to, to drop the running back. You know, again, excellent effort. Um, just someone who seems to be all always around the football, and he's someone that we're going to be talking about next year potentially as a junior entering the draft. Um, and then Reggie Corbin, you know, five ten, two hundred pound junior. Um, I think the thing that really stood out for me was the fact that he made so many lateral cuts uh, without losing speed, um, just cutting up the field, very sudden. Um, and that's one of the things that I would say, you know, especially when he was running between the tackles, just you know, that sudden movement. Um, I don't think anyone was really anticipating um, that elusiveness. You know, 11 carries, uh, 67 yards and a touchdown, a couple of receptions for 13 yards. Um, you know, Reggie Corbin is someone who I think could be a sleeper to make a, an NFL roster when it's said and done. Which then takes us to USC and Washington State. You know, I'm a, you know, a, a Trojan you know, USC alum, and what's interesting is, is USC had one of the first games of the of the week last week, and we're going to have one of the last games of the week this week, uh, USC taking on Arizona, and uh, it'll be 9.30 Eastern, uh, I'm sorry, 9.30 Central, so 7.30 Pacific, so uh, again, one of the last games to kick off uh, this week, so, you know, I'll, I'll be staying up late, you know, I'm here on uh, Central Standard Time, so... Um, or Central Daylight Time, I guess. And uh, so, yeah, I'll be staying up late to watch that game. Uh, but the Trojans came in, and, uh, you know, it, it wasn't looking good, um, you know, for for the Trojans. Um, just really couldn't generate much of a pass rush, especially with Porter Gustin being out for the first half due to a targeting penalty. Um, but when Porter Gustin comes in, um, in, in the second half, he's just – there's a different mood, a different feel to that defense. And that's one of the things that when you talk about Porter Gustin, he's not always the, the flashiest. He's not always going to be the most technically sound, but he's just a guy who just plays with excellent effort on every play. 
Um, he's someone who's going to look to overpower you at the point of attack. He's going to use his hands very well. That's one of the things that you can say about USC pass rushers is they use their hands very well uh, to slap the slap the offensive tackle's hands off. Um, the, the dip of the inside shoulder and then that rip um, uses a lot of slap and rip moves as well. Um, but Porter Gustin coming off the edge, you know, 18 and a half sacks in his career. Um, but he just, he affects just about every play. You have to know where he is. And one of the things that he's really added to his repertoire, this guy is, you know, is very strong, 6'5", 260 pounds, but he's overpowering a lot of these offensive tackles, just bull rushing them, winning with leverage, getting into that pad level and just driving his man all the way back to the quarterback and then able to get off of that, um, off of that block to affect the quarterback. To me, Porter Gustin, you know, the biggest thing for him and the biggest red flag is going to be his health. You know, and that's really the medicals are going to be the biggest thing for him, how that checks out. He's going to be a day two pick. And, and you know, unless the medicals don't really check out, and really the biggest thing for him, this is a guy, it doesn't matter if he's injured or not. You know, he had a uh, you know bloody uh, bloody foot with with screws um, you know, th- going through them and actually had back-to-back sacks against Texas a season ago with that screw in his foot. Screw winds up moving, and uh, they ultimately took him out of the game, also tore his biceps. So that ended his, his 2017 season for the most part. He came in at the end of the year, but uh, this season season starts, tears his meniscus, and uh, comes back. I think he tore his meniscus and had surgery in August and was back for the season opener. Porter Gustin, you know, just tough as nails, um, but you do have to be concerned about the the durability, you know, and and the number of injuries that this guy's had. Um, Cameron Smith, the the inside linebacker, you know, I, I think losing the 20, 20 plus pounds that he lost this offseason has really made him a lot faster. You know, he would just seemed to be all over the football field, making plays behind the line of scrimmage. Fifteen sacks. Uh, I'm sorry, 15 tackles, not sacks, 15 tackles on the game, but just a guy who does a really good job diagnosing plays, filling gaps, um, playing downhill, um, but he was always seemed to be a step slow, moving laterally, and he's taken that uh, his, his game to the next level because he does have that speed back, and that was one of the things when he came in as a freshman, he was able to affect uh, you know the pass, being able to get into passing lanes, uh, picked off three game, uh, three three passes against Utah, um, taking one of those back for uh, for a touchdown. But when he was playing around 250 pounds, he just was not able to keep up with running backs and, and tight ends, and was really a liability in the passing game. And uh, you know now he's playing right around 227, 228 pounds. You can see the the added explosion. Uh, the speed to really get to the outside and was able to to bring down the running back getting to the perimeter and uh you know to me Cameron Smith another guy who can be a, a day two pick um he has the instincts he has the intelligence plays a lot of football um and has been USC's leading tackler and really one of the you know the, the leaders of the defense if Porter Gustin has the attitude um you know Cameron Smith has been that, that bona fide leader of that defense Which then takes me to USC's true freshman quarterback, JT Daniels. Now look, I know we still have a couple of years before JT Daniels will be eligible for the draft. Um, but we, you know, now is just as good a time as any to start talking about the kid. Um, you know, 6'2", 6'3", 210 pounds, 
over 12,000 yards and 152 touchdowns in high school. Uh, Gatorade Player of the Year as a as a junior. Uh, had his number 18 retired at Modern Day High School there in Santa Ana. Um, you saw the development from this kid as the game went along. You know, I think that the game is starting to really slow down for him. He, you know, he made a lot, um, you know, a lot better decisions. You know, this was a game. You know, he. Uh, completed 17 of 26 passes, 241 yards, three touchdowns. Maybe the most important thing out of the whole get, uh, whole bit was no interceptions. Um, you know, spread it around to seven receivers, and really, you know, that that connection that he had with the Monroe St. Brown that was his safety valve. Um, you know, against UNLV in their first game, and uh, you know, he's really been able to spread things around a little bit more, not just rely on Amon Ross St. Brown, although. You know, if you haven't gotten a chance to see him, that's uh, Equinemius and Osiris's little brother, and he's a playmaker and a kid who's who we're going to be talking about for years to come. Uh, Tyler Vaughn's, you know, was another guy who really uh, was um, someone that JT Daniels was relying on, and uh, you know, the six-two hundred eighty-five pound redshirt sophomore um, is really starting to make a name for himself. Good route runner, you know, the body control along the sideline. Um, you know, was was evident, and uh, you know there was a two point conversion in the back of the end zone. You know, was able to to make the catch, get a foot down uh, inbounds before it was pushed out. Um, so you know that chemistry that that JT Daniels is building it's not just with one receiver; it's with multiple receivers. But um, you know, one of the things that I think. You know, between you know, there was a, a throw to, to Michael Pittman. It was cover two. Was able to fit the ball between the the, the corner and the safety, um, just dropping the ball in. You know, do, just really doing a good job reading defenses, going through progressions, and taking what the defense is giving him. You know, and I think that's one of the things. If he doesn't do too much, you know, that's that's really what's going to um, what's really going to help his game. And you know, one of the things he's he's already the the, the deep ball accuracy. That's one of the things that you don't always see from a, a true freshman quarterback the ability to push the ball down the field with accuracy dropping a dime in over the the receiver's shoulder we're seeing that time and time again from JT Daniels the leadership ability um from this kid as well and, and look you know USC had to outscore Washington uh Washington State 15 to 6 in that final quarter to ultimately win 39 36 and uh you know a lot of that was due to um you know JT Daniels um, again, they had negative five yards rushing, um, you know, a, a week prior. So everyone was not expecting much with the with the ground game. 113 yards on the ground for Vi Malapai and Stephen Carr with 78 and 77 uh, yards on the ground, respectively. Um, you know, those were the two that that carried the the brunt of the load. But uh, you know, these aren't the aren't, aren't the only guys that we should be talking about. Uh, Iman Marshall, look, Biggie Marshall was a guy. You know, he had 28 pass breakups in his in his career coming into this season, but he had he was one of the guys that had something to prove. Six one, 205 pounds, absolutely looks the part. And you'll see some plays where he just you know he was always always seemed to be around the football, but it was one of those things to where he was getting beat repeatedly uh, a, a season ago. Just seemed to be out of position and. Uh, you know that's one of the things that I will say about him this year is you know he's not seeing a ton of passes thrown his way. I think teams are are looking to key in on a Jane Harris 
and, and the freshman Greg Johnson more than they really want to throw in Iman Marshall's direction. But one of the things that I will say is, you know, he's coming down and, and run support very well. You know, he's a sure tackler in the open field, very physical tackler as well. There was a screen that was out on the perimeter, beat the block of the receiver, got a tackle for loss, and uh, read another screenplay, wrapped up the receiver on the outside, um, broke down very well, squared up the man, and uh, was able to wrap up Kyle Sweet and dropped him for loss. Um, to me, Imam Marshall has made the most um, of his time as a senior, and I think he's helped his draft stock tremendously to the point where I could legitimately see Imam Marshall being a day two pick. I really want to see what he's going to be able to do as we get further along into um, you know Pac-12 play. A lot of the teams that want to air the football out, at some point they're going to be throwing his way. He's going to have to be ready to make a play on the football, and he also has to make sure that he stays in phase and doesn't get beat. If he's able to do that, watch out for Imam Marshall to rise up draft boards. One guy who I think is moving in the, in the opposite direction, though, is Marvell Tell. Everyone was talking about him being a, a bona fide top five safety. And, you know, I was wondering where everyone was getting that from. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, he, he was covering a receiver up the seam, didn't get his head around, and, uh, you know, could have made a play on the football, but uh, ultimately got called for... Um, well, really should have been called for defensive pass interference. You know, really could have gotten his head around, made a play on the football, and, and didn't. Um, it's one of those things to where he's just he seems to be a, a step slow. Um, he's not always coming down, making making plays. Um, you know, he he seems to he doesn't want to break down as much. He's he's lunging and and trying. He may be trying too hard uh, to be the leader of that secondary. Um, but he, he's coming down and wildly lunging for tackles and not really making a play on the football. Um, so Marvell Tell, to me, I think is a guy who's who's seen his draft stock drop just a little bit, as is a Jane Harris. People were talking about a Jane Harris as their most consistent defensive back, and, and he seemed to get lost in coverage. There was a corner route, got beaten badly. Um, also dropped an dropped an interception. You know, he's just one of those guys. You know, he's 5'10", 185 pounds. He's a he's a nickel guy, and you know he made a, a great play. Let's see, it was uh, was it the UCLA or Notre Dame game? Um, you know, I think I think it was the the Notre Dame game against the Sean Kaiser where Kaiser was scanning the field. And you know, looked looked left, looked middle, and then didn't really look right. Just kind of threw the ball at a Jane. Read the play, stepped up, made a pick, took it back for a pick six. You know, we really need to get a Jane Harris. I don't know if he's just pressing too much or what, but you know that that play as a sophomore got better as a junior, and just really seems to have regressed this season. Don't really know exactly what it is, but you know, with Marshall on the one side, and you have that freshman there. Um, you know, on the opposite side, they're picking on Johnson, they're picking on Harris, and Harris hasn't been able to respond to this point. For Washington State, uh, you know, one of the, the, the top pro prospects has to be Andre Dillard. Um, he's an athletic uh, left tackle, 6'5", 310 pounds, plays with, with good leverage off the edge, um, drove one of the defensive tackles off the ball, um, you know, very active hands, um, it does a good job, you know, in the running game as well, able to seal off, uh, the linebacker, uh, which ultimately allowed the running back, um, get up the field, and ultimately score a touchdown. 
Um, plays with a wide base. I think he slides well. Um, was able to keep Christian Rector in front. Christian Rector is not an easy guy to block. Um, he's a, def- uh, a linebacker that's playing defensive end, um, so he's very athletic. But uh, you know that was one of the things that I thought was impressive with with Andre Dillard was he was able to slide, able to mirror Rector, not allow him uh, to get off the block and get to the quarterback. And then the other the other guy, obviously, I mentioned a quarterback, uh, Gardner Minshew. Um, a guy to start taking notice of and really watch what he can do there at Washington State. 6'2", 220 pounds, uh, transfer from uh, East East Carolina, um, you know, 4.0 GPA. This is a smart kid, um, you know, 401 passing yards per game coming into the contest, led the FBS, um, ultimately finished the game uh, with 344 yards passing, so just a little bit below his average. But, uh, you know, I, one of the things – that you really saw uh, was that quick release. You know, just was able to get the ball out very quickly. I think that's one of the things that's a staple of a Mike Mike Leach offense is being able to get the ball out quickly, but at the same time, be able to go through your progressions. That's one of the things when you talk about uh, – um, a, a spread type offense. When you watch a Mike Leach quarterback, they're going through their progressions. They're they're uh, taking what the defense can give them. A lot, oftentimes, and, and one of the things that I thought too was you know just his his, his ability to um, you know, to avoid defenders and really you know, extend the play with his feet. You know, being able to manipulate the pocket, keep his eyes down the football field, and then fire a strike. He's got the arm strength to make every every uh, every throw. Um, you know, came into the game, you know, uh, completing se- uh, almost seventy one percent of his passes. Finished the day thirty seven to fifty two, three hundred forty four yards, three touchdowns. Uh, but it was in a losing effort. Uh, Cougars going down to the Trojans. So if we get to the Saturday play, you know, the first game that I wanted to watch and the game that really was kind of the, um, you know, one of the top games there early on on Saturday was Georgia against Missouri. I really wanted to see what Drew Locke would do against a, a top program. And, uh, you know, he, he got the opportunity against uh, against Georgia and uh, the Bulldogs they were in his face all game long. Uh, Drew Locke finished 23 of 48, 221 yards, no one, no touchdowns. Broke that streak of 13 games with a touchdown, uh, touchdown pass. Um, had one interception. Here's the thing, you know, with, with Drew Locke, it, you know, he's he started off the season, you know, with um, completing you know over 65 percent of his passes. But uh, you know, the, the biggest thing for for Drew coming into the season was that completion percentage. You know. Um, even though he, he he's made strides each of his year improving that completion percentage a season ago 57.8% um and you know this season he's he's sitting there at 62.7 but here's here's the concern that I have you know you look at Georgia and he's playing some of these top notch defenses that's where he struggled um you know and some of it wasn't his fault because that o line was just repeatedly getting getting beat you know, there were two uh, strip sacks by DeAndre Walker, uh, the outside linebacker, 6'3", 245 pounds, and was just giving Yasir Durant and Paul Adams all they could handle. Um, just the speed off the edge, runs the yard very well, and uh, you know, was able to get a hand in and, and knock, the, knock the ball from, from Drew Locke on, on two different occasions. Also was very disruptive against the run. I think uh, DeAndre Walker really starting to establish himself as one of the better pass rushers coming off the edge. And, uh, you know, I could see Walker being, a, you know, an early day two pick. But let's get back to Drew, Drew Locke. That's really the guy that I wanted to talk about. 
um, you know, with this matchup. And, uh, you know, you, you saw the, the athleticism, you know, the, the ability to roll away from three defenders and uh, still able to get the ball to the, the receiver on the outside. Um, didn't take a sack. You know, was able to get that ball out and uh, able to complete that pass. You know, um, there was a double move and, uh, you know, the, the ball was, was thrown, um, you know, to allow the, the receiver to, to go up and get the football. Um, you know, it, it, it was one of those things, you know, even when he was retreating, you know, if he squared his shoulders and was able to get the zip on the football, um, usually it was, it was a lot more accurate, you know, and one of the things that I will say is he, he showed the touch on, on the back shoulder fade and, uh, just the fade up the sideline. And that was one of the things that you didn't really see from Drew Locke on a consistent basis was that, uh, that touch. You saw the fastball, you saw his ability to air the ball out, but you know, were there going to be, um, you know, touch passes and, uh, he's really been able to develop that, um, you know, under Derek Dooley, I think running, running that offense, it's not a complete, um, you know, no huddle where it's all about speed. You know, it's one of those things to where I think this offense really um, is beneficial for his skill set, and we've seen that so far with his uh, improvement with his uh, completion percentage. Um, you know, it was clear that, you know, Drew Locke um, was looking for someone to be the guy, you know, with Emmanuel Hall being out. Um, you know, 6'3", 195 pounds, you know, was battling a groin injury. Um, and Emmanuel Hall is his vertical threat. He was in the game, but he was matched up with DeAndre Baker. And, you know, when Emmanuel Hall is not at 100%, um, you know, DeAndre Baker pretty much neutralized him and took him out of the game for much of the, the contest. So, you know, Drew Locke was looking for his tight end. And it was, you know, Albert uh, Uwebunam. And, uh, you know, Albert really made a name for himself. He's one of those guys. He's going to be... Um, you know, talked about in those first two rounds uh, as one of the top, you know, three or four tight ends, along with Noah Fant of Iowa and Caden Smith of Stanford that we talked about, Caleb uh, Wilson of U- uh, UCLA. Those are your four, top four tight ends. And, uh, you know, I think Albert, his play in this game really helped him. But uh, it was one of those things that you really saw, you know, Drew Locke being able to, um, you know, rifle the pass um, into tight windows, Um Really did a good job getting the ball to Albert, allowing him to make plays after the catch. Um, I, I think what was frustrating was, you know, in trying to evaluate Drew Locke was all the pressure that he was under. You know, he was under duress for most of the game and uh, a lot of drops from his receivers. So, you know, he didn't have the reliable receiver to throw the football to. And uh, when you run into that situation, you know, you're, you're kind of scrambling a little bit. He didn't have his, his security blanket, which was Emmanuel Hall. So that's why I was going to Albert. Um, you know, so if we talk about Albert uh, Oebunam a little bit, um, you know, a, a big tight end, 6'5", 255 pounds, redshirt sophomore, runs very well after the catch. Um, but it was one of those things to where he, he, he runs a good route. Um, you know, there's a stutter to the outside. Cuts back inside on the slant and, uh, you know, was able to, to make a play on the football and then able to turn up the field. Um, back shoulder throw, was able to um, elevate and, and adjust to the football, able to box out uh, the defensive back and then haul in that contested catch. Um, to me, he's an athlete. He's a guy who can make plays uh, down the football field. He's somebody who can can run after the catch as well. 
Um, you know, Oe Boonham, I, I think definitely um, drew the attention of NFL scouts in this game. You know, if you're tuning in to watch Jake Fromm, you're tuning in to watch Drew Locke. At the end of the day, you had to come away. You know, Uwe Boonham, you know, nine receptions, 81 yards, and uh, he, he was someone that. Frankly, Georgia wasn't really able. They didn't have an answer for for a guy that big. They were able to take out a lot of the receivers, but uh, that tight end just they they weren't able to really handle it. You know, and, and really the thing with Drew Locke, you know, that I will say is he kept fighting. He kept fighting and kept fighting and kept fighting. But he's got to work on his body language. I think that's one of the things they said on the broadcast, and and I have to agree a hundred percent. You know, if you're going to be the leader and you're trying to lead this team to victory, you know they were only were, you know, despite all the turnovers and all the issues that they had at the beginning of the game, um, you know there was a, you know, Uwe Bunum, you know, he was stopped, you know, forward progress was stopped, and and uh, the whistle wasn't blown, he was stripped, uh, and you know the fumble was returned for touchdown. So it was just turnover after turnover after turnover. Missouri didn't go away, and uh, you know they wound up. Wound up only losing by two touchdowns, 43-29. And, uh, you know, but it was one of those things to where as the game wore on, you could see that Drew Locke was getting more and more frustrated and that body language, you can't let your team see that, especially if it's a team that's that's trying to fight their way into um, into a game. Now, Jake Fromm, um, he's someone that we're going to be talking about for next year's draft. You know, 6'2", 225 pounds. Uh, you know, the sophomore, um, you know, he started 3-9, and nine, um, or three for nine on the game, and uh, wound up finishing uh, the the game thirteen to twenty three, two hundred sixty yards, three touchdowns. Um, did throw one interception. Um, you know, back shoulder throw up the sideline. Um, excellent, you know, ball placement, putting the ball away from the defensive back, um, where only the receiver can can get to the football. Um, you know, I, I thought that you know there was a lot of pressure on him. Um, you know, and. I think he struggled a little bit in dealing with with that pressure. I think he did just enough um, and made just enough plays. Um, you know, really, you had receivers that uh, you know were making some plays. You know, down the football field for him. Um, Jeremiah Holloman had a 61-yard uh, touchdown. Uh, Nicole Hardman um, also able to to break away for for a touchdown pass as well. Um, you know, if we look at at everything, it was really all of his play was was in the second half. Um, you know, with with Georgia up twenty to seven. Um, you know, completed a thirty three yard touchdown to to Riley Ridley. Um, you know, and then obviously you had the the pass to to Jeremiah Holloman, and then a fifty four yard pass to Mikol Hardman, and, and really, you know, those were the biggest plays, and those were the only things that uh, you know Missouri just couldn't get out of their own way with uh, with their secondary. Uh, but Riley Ridley. 6'2", 200-pound junior, you know, you're looking for a receiver to be his go-to guy, and I thought that that really was definitely that guy. He was, you know, reliable, soft hands, excellent route runner, uh, able to separate. Um, You know, I I thought that he did a great job being able to elevate for the football, um, gets his foot down in bounds before he goes out of bounds. Um, just the excellent body control. He's the younger brother of Calvin Ridley, and uh, he definitely looks like a guy who can be playing on Sundays um, before it's all said and done. So those were the guys that I was really keeping an eye on. Obviously, DeAndre Baker, um, you know, he was he was playing um, Emmanuel Hall uh, for much of the game, so he didn't see a ton of passes that way. Um, but when he did 
um, have passes going towards Emmanuel, uh, just strive for strides, did a good, a, a good job squeezing him to the sideline. Um, I think that's one of the things that DeAndre Baker does so well. He gets over the top of routes at times, or if he's in phase, he's going to go ahead and squeeze that, that receiver to the sideline, use that as an extra defender. And, uh, you know, just easy, easy turns, um, you know, of the hips to be able to, to run with the receiver, um, you know, just so fluid as an athlete. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things that I think you can, you can say about Baker is, is just being a fluid athlete. And you need to have that at the cornerback position. He's 5'11", 185 pounds, and, uh, he's going to be one of the top two corners and, and definitely a, a first round selection. I think he's probably going to end up being a top 20 pick when it's all said and done. So if we move on to uh, Iowa State and Akron, I really wanted to watch Akron play because I wanted to watch that defense. And, you know, they, they didn't disappoint. You know, Jamal Davis, the defensive end, who's going to be an outside linebacker at the next level, eight tackles, a sack, two tackles for loss, um, had a pass breakup, uh, another quarterback hurry, and uh, he just seemed to be all over the football field making plays. <coughs> Excuse me. So Jamal Davis... Um, you know, just able to be disruptive against the run, coming down uh, down the line off the edge, wrapping up the running back behind the line of scrimmage. Um, just seemed to be very active against the run, you know, knifing off the edge, beating the pulling guard to drop the running back for loss. Um, showed speed uh, um, off the edge, getting under the right tackles pad, pad level to, to turn the corner, get to the quarterback, and uh, affect the passer as he's trying to, to try trying to throw the ball. He's 6'4", 240 pounds, um, seems to be a little undersized, would get engulfed a little bit at the point of attack by the by a bigger out, um, bigger tackle. But uh, you know Jamal Davis is a guy who I, I think can definitely be playing on Sundays. May end up being a, a day three pick, but somebody who I think is going to make an NFL roster and someone who, like I said, he can be a three down guy because he can get after the quarterback, running the um, you know rushing the passer, but he can also be very effective against the run. Ulysses Gilbert, this to me, he's six one, two hundred thirty pounds, and you know over one hundred forty tackles a season ago but just had speed to get to the perimeter. He was playing a lot almost as a as a nickel uh, nickel back because he, he seemed to be out on the perimeter quite a bit um, and just showed speed to to track down the football. Just had a nose for the ball, um, reading plays. You know, there was a screen play. He was able to flow over the top, um, beat a block um, by one of the receivers and, and drop the receiver for no gain. Um, to me, he's an instinctive playmaker at the linebacker position and another guy, he's going to be a day three pick. You know, he may not be drafted until the sixth round, possibly even the seventh round, but he's just one of those guys who I think is going to stick with an NFL team. Um, he'll probably be a guy who's going to make plays on special teams. And then before long, he'll be someone because of his athleticism, because of his speed, because of his instincts, he's going to get a chance to play for the defense. And once he does, he's not coming off the football field. So those were the two guys that I really wanted to watch. Those two and then Kyron Brown, uh, the 6'195 195-pound corner. Um, he didn't see a ton of passes thrown his way, and then when he did, it was just kind of, um, you know, kind of in- inconsistent play. You know, I was a little disappointed um, in what I saw there. But uh, I thought that Ulysses Gilbert and then especially Jamal Davis really helped their play or helped their draft stock. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, Hakeem Butler. You know, the 6'6", 225-pound junior that uh, OU was not able to to stop. Um, you know, he was a physical blocker um, out on the perimeter for um, for 
David Montgomery. Um, but you could see the, the catch radius as, as a receiver as well. Um, you know, the ball just thrown, thrown behind him. He's able to extend for the ball that's thrown behind, able to haul it in. They talked about his hands on the broadcast, and I think that's one of the things. <coughs> Man. Um, I think that's one of the things that really stands out was just the size of his hands. They said he could palm a helmet. And, and when you're able to do that, um, you know, then obviously that football is going to look very small in your hands and being able to pluck that ball out of the air. Uh, he does it effortlessly. Very strong runner after the catch as well. Very strong, uh, difficult to bring down. The Sooners absolutely found that out. Six receptions, 88 yards, and a touchdown on the game. Um, but David Montgomery was the guy that I think everybody was tuning in to watch. And, you know, here's the thing. You know, this guy um, runs with some power, but uh, you know, you're surprised at, at just how elusive he can be. The the, the cuts, you know, the, the cutback lanes, you know, the, the ability to to see the hole, put his foot in the ground, and then cut back to the left, and then um, setting up the defender makes another cut to bounce the ball to the outside, get to the second level, and uh, run away from some defenders. And then once he he gets out there that he makes yet another cut to get back inside to get another six yards. Always seems to be falling forward as well. So in addition to all those lateral cuts and being able to put that foot and, and, and cut on a dime and not really lose speed, you know, he's able to lower that shoulder and really run with some power and, and finish off runs. And uh, he can definitely move the pile as well. You look at, at Montgomery and one of the things that stands out is just these huge thighs. So, you know, he's one of those guys who has that leg drive, that power um, in his running style, 5'11", 216 pounds, um, you know, 23 carries, 107 yards, and a touchdown. Also caught a pass for four yards. To me, Montgomery, one of the top running backs in this year's draft class, and uh, he didn't disappoint. Michigan against Nebraska. Um, they're at the big house, 56-10. to 10. Um, you know, really just kind of beat up Nebraska. You know, Nebraska just didn't seem to be able to stop them at all. Uh, it was 39 nothing at the half. Um, and really, you know, I, I'm tuning in to watch that defense. You know, and, and Chase Winovich, you know, you, you talk about him, you know, the, the, the wild man with the hair, 6'3", 255 pounds, just very active, just uh, always seems to be working to the quarterback, excellent burst off the football, um, you know, does a good job coming off the edge, bends very well, but, uh, you know, he also uh, had a play where he started outside then shot inside, slapped the hands of the, of the, the tackle, able to get, uh, get to the quarterback, uh, chase him down for a sack, you know, the hand usage there from, from Chase Winovich. That's one of the things that allows him to, um, get into the backfield so quickly, uh, coming off the edge, um, there was a sprint out to the left um, for you know Rashawn Gary, and uh, you know the left tackle you know just happened to look inside, and you know that you know you can't do that when you're talking about Rashawn Gary, the athleticism um, of this guy, six five, two hundred eighty three pounds, the junior, and, and he just happened to look inside when his head turns back. Uh, Rashawn Gary was already by him, able to use that that explosiveness to to get to the quarterback, get a sack. You know, Rashawn Gary, he's still somebody who I'm waiting for him to to take over the game, um, play in and play out. You know, if you're talking about wanting to um, you know, game plan for for defenders um, and you want to talk talk about taking guys in the top five, you know, Rashawn Gary, to me, he's a top 10 pick because of his athleticism. And that's one of the things that you'll see with a lot of the, 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 the picks 
Um, you know, but to me, you're talking about potential still. I haven't seen enough uh, you know, from Rashawn Gary to say, absolutely, this is a guy who is going to be able to take over games. I don't want to take a guy in, in the top five if we're not talking about somebody who can make, uh, be a playmaker, play in and play out. And, uh, you know, I'm really waiting for him to have that breakout game that says, you know what, he has arrived. He is somebody who can take over a game, play in and play out. Um, also defensively, uh, Devin Bush, you know, 5'11", 233-pound junior, um, may end up entering the draft. Um, he's an undersized linebacker, but, you know, just seems to fly around to the ball. Um, comes downhill very well. Um, you know, able to run by blockers, um, you know, on the outside and uh, able to bring down the running back in the open field for a tackle for loss. Um, you know, just always seems to break down very um, well. Actually, I take that back. He doesn't always break down and he'll tend to over pursue some plays a little bit. You want to see him break down and uh, and drive through the ball carrier. So you'll see some some uh, some arm tackles. Um, that uh, teams will ultimately run through. He'll over-pursue over some plays. But uh, a season ago, 95 tackles, 10 for loss, 5.5 sacks, uh, 7 pass breakups, and an interception. Makes plays all over the football field, and uh, this game really was was no exception. Um, finished with 9 tackles, a sack, um, you know, making plays behind the line of scrimmage as well. Um, I don't think he, you know, I think he's continuing to show that he can be um, a player on the interior of the, you know, of the, the defense there at the linebacker position. You know, running backs, look, you know, at, at Michigan, you know, we, we know the, the history of, of the running back position there at Michigan. And, and Karan Hignan, um, you know, 5'10", 200-pound senior running back, um, you know, really took advantage of, a, of kind of a porous defense there for uh, Michigan. You know, I thought that he, he showed some good power um, and ability to, to run away from the defense a little bit. 12 uh, carries, 136 yards, and a touchdown. Um, quick burst to, to shoot through the hole. Um, you know, and I think that's really, you know, time in and time out. You know, even when you have those, those holes, even if it's a big hole, if you don't have the burst to get there, then uh, you know, you're not going to be able to, to ultimately uh, bust off a big play. And that was really the biggest thing was that offensive line was getting big holes for him and he was able to really you know, um, take advantage of it. You know, I thought John Runyon, um, you know, he was very quick um, with this kick slide you know, and um, was able to beat defenders to the edge um, rather easily. Um, very active with his hands, a mean streak, much like his dad. Um, 6'5", 310 pounds. He's a senior. Um, he's someone who I think is going to get a look on day three. Um, you know, just that athleticism. You know, I think it runs in the family. And uh, he's someone who you know, is going to make an NFL roster. Um, there's no no mistaking that. And then, you know, the guy that was playing right next to him at left guard, Ben Bredesen, uh, 6'5", 320-pound junior. You know, another guy, very athletic, um, able to get to the second level. Um, you know, he's always under control. That's one of the things that I thought was you see a lot of guys that will get out to the to the second level. They're very athletic, but then they can't break down. They can't actually get to the linebacker and make a play. Um, so they're just more or less getting in the way more than anything else. But, you know, Bredesen able to, to get there under control and drive through his man. Um, you know, one of the things that I saw was, uh, you know, just the leverage and hand placement um, controlling the, the defensive tackle um, and basically able to move him wherever, really wherever he wanted. 
um, on his pulls uh, in the ground game, able to seal off linebackers. And, uh, you know, a lot of their big plays were run behind that left side of the line. And, uh, you know, Bredesen to me is, is a bona fide, um, you know, day two pick. The question is just going to be whether or not he's going to enter the draft uh, this year, if he's going to come back for a senior season. Uh, Shea Patterson, you know, did a, did a good job seeing seeing the entire field, going through his progressions, taking uh, what the defense gave him. You know, rather efficient day for him, 15 to 22. Um, you know, over, uh, let's see, 120 yards and, and a touchdown. Really didn't have to do a whole lot because, you know, like I said, uh, Nebraska's defense couldn't stop the run. Um, but one of the guys that stood out really in the passing game is, is Zach Gentry. You know, he's, he's 6'8", 262 pounds, and, uh, you know, just showed a good job um, creating some separation in the in the passing game, using his length, um, and, uh, you know, he, he's developing as, as, a, as a good blocker as well. You know, he was really firing into the, de- into the defensive end off the ball, playing with good leverage, good punch. You know, that's one of the things you don't always see from a tight end is, is that punch. And I think that's what se- separates some guys. He was able to get him off balance and then generate some movement. Um, he drove a safety five yards into the end zone, um, you know, on a goal line play. And, uh, you know, Zach Gentry is someone who I think definitely, um, I, I say he's a senior, he's actually a junior, but uh, he's someone who I think is continuing to make strides as a pro, uh, pro prospect there at the tight end position. Notre Dame took on Wake Forest, went out to Winston-Salem, and uh, ended up winning comfortably 56-27. to Ian Book taking over for Brandon Wimbush, 25-34, uh, uh, 325 yards and, and two touchdowns. You know, Ian Book really, I think, solidified himself as the uh, starter going forward for Notre Dame. But, uh, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about the, the defense here for, for Notre Dame, you know, uh, Tevin Coney, I think, does a really good job playing downhill, does a good job shooting his gaps, uh, takes on the blocks, able to shed them and, and meet the running back and, and get him wrapped up. Um, I, I think getting to the perimeter, he, you know, he, he does a good job flowing laterally, you know, I think on the plays between the tackles, but if it gets out to the perimeter, I think that's where he's going to struggle a little bit. Um, I think if he's going to have to cover running backs and tight ends, you know, he may struggle a little bit there. I think he's fine um, in zone coverage, but if you're asking him man to man, that's where he's going to struggle just a little bit. Um, but uh, you know, Tevin Coney, one of the better inside linebackers in the game because of that, those instincts. Jerry Tillery, the defensive tackle, 6'7", 305 pounds. He showed up again, time and time again, just so stout at the point of attack, taking on multiple blockers. Um, just eating up those blocks, allowing Coney, uh, Drew Tranquil, and, and the other linebackers to make plays on the football. Um, you know, he read a stretch play to the near side and uh, was able to ultimately work down the line of the line of scrimmage, um, and ultimately waited for the the running back to get outside. Um, you know, he had outside leverage and was basically sitting there waiting for the running back. Um, you know, as the running back kind of uh, strung out the play just a little bit. Um, takes on double teams, you know, he, he basically splits them, have one hand on each blocker. Um, so essentially, you know, kind of almost an iron cross, if you will, um, just absorbing, you know, the, the contact from the from the two defenders and actually able to get, uh, you know, a bit of a push you know, with his hands into their chest. Um, you know, taking on those blockers like that, again, freeing up um, those linebackers to make some plays. You know, Tillery, you know, a lot of times you're expecting to see him in the backfield, 
um, affecting the passer. Just one tackle on this game, and uh, you know had a quarterback hurry as well, you know, a half tackle for loss. But uh, Tillery's game here was more so because he was double teamed so much was absorbing multiple blockers and being able to allow the um, you know the linebackers to make the plays, and uh, the linebackers did that. But uh, you know Tillery had a big re- you know it's a big reason why uh, Coney and, and Drew Tranquil had such a good game. Um, you know, Tranquil, eight tackles, a sack, two tackles for loss. He was very active, just seemed to be all over the field. Um, you know, good nose for the football. He's a he's a converted safety, so I think he does a good job in coverage. But I think what you really see is, is just flowing well to the football. You know, it was a stretch play, um, you know, shot to A-gap and chased down the running back for a tackle for loss. Um, you know, this was his, his 33rd uh, career start. You know, he's a veteran, and uh, he's somebody who – you know, from an athletic standpoint, he's 6'2", 235 pounds. Um, he's someone who I think deserves a look at the next level. He'll probably, again, be a day three pick, probably be someone who's going to get drafted in the fifth or sixth round. You know, I honestly think that because of his football play, his football IQ, he should be probably in that third to fourth round range. And I hope a team does take it, take advantage of that. You know, he's someone who I think could excel and be a special teams ace as well, uh, but someone who I think can be a linebacker at the next level. And because of his ability, um, you know, as a, as a former safety um, to play in coverage, I think that's really where, where he's going to be able to set himself apart as a as a pro prospect. Julian Aquara. You know, Romeo's brother, you know, Romeo's playing in the league now. He's 6'5", 241 pounds, you know, junior, you know, stand-up defensive end, and just seemed to be playing all all over all over the place. You know, he was playing over the top of of the the, the tackle on plays um, and uh, was able to uh, really do a good job of getting off blocks, using his hands very well. Um, he, he bends very well coming off the edge, you know, very athletic. And, uh, you know, he was, he's been disruptive the last couple of weeks. He actually got it, got the start five tackles, a sack, three and a half tackles for loss. Um, in all, um, you know, there's a stretch play, you know, he was able to get outside leverage and ultimately, you know, working, uh, essentially inside out, being able to spin back outside to the running back and drop him for a tackle for loss. Thought that was a really nice play there. Um, you know, rushed the quarterback to the inside, quarterback rolled out to the left, and he was able to get back outside, chase the quarterback down, and uh, you know, wrapped him up, threw him down for the sack. Um, Aquara, to me, is somebody to be on the lookout for in uh, you know, in 2020's draft. Um, let's see, you know, Julian Love, you know, 5'11, 193 pounds, you know, the junior cornerback, you know, known for you know, over 20. Uh, pass breakups in uh, in 2017 that really put himself on the uh, radar um, for the draft this year. You know, I think he does a really good job breaking quickly on the football. You know, you never really saw any yards after the catch. Um, wrapping up, wrapping up the receiver does a good job. You know, making plays and and you know when he arrives, he's looking to make a play on the ball. Um, you know, we saw more balls thrown uh, in the direction of, of Troy Pride. And uh, you know whoever else was lining opposite him, you know Troy Pride ultimately made a made a play on the football, got an interception on the day. Um, but uh, 
yeah, I, I think he's he's ultimately Julian Love is is one of the better cornerbacks in in the in the country, and if he comes out, you know, he'll probably be probably be a, a second round pick um, if he decides to come out. You know, I, I thought Alize Mack helped himself this uh, you know this week. You know, six five, two hundred forty seven pounds, um, showed the ability to run after the catch, showed off his athleticism. Um, you know, also showed the ability to block on the edge, um, sealing off a defensive end, allowing the running back to to bounce out to the outside. Um, you know, he was in the slot, um, lining up there. Um, you know, didn't run a very sharp route, but was still because of his athleticism able to make plays. He's gonna have to work on his route running a little bit, but I, I thought all in all. He showed to be one of the more um, more effective targets in the passing game. Six receptions, 61 yards. Um, you know, Alize Mack, I think, is going to move up some draft boards as well. Um, you know, looking at, at Wake Forest, Isang Bassey, you know, the the junior corner, 5'10", 185 pounds, the ball skills. You know, I think that's the thing that you talk about with Bassey. You know, seven tackles with the pass breakup on the, on the day. You know, and really Amari Henderson was the one that was picked on opposite him. Um, and, and I think the reason why is is because of the ball skills that Bassey has. Um, you know, that's one of the things that kind of jumps off. Double digit, you know, pass breakups a season ago. Um, you know, he does a good job reading the quarterback's eyes, making quick breaks on the football. Um, you know, able to run in phase with the receiver as well. Um, gets his hand in um, to make plays on the football. Um, you know, I, I think he does, a, a, you know, he, he's a lot more physical. He's only 5'10 and 185 pounds, but he's a lot more physical than, uh, than you would expect. You know, there's a throw, uh, to the wide side to, to chase Claypool. The receiver came downhill, you know, broke very quickly on the ball, delivered a big hit to the receiver. Um, you know, it comes up and runs support as well. Uh, does a good job wrapping up the running back in the flat. Um, you know, to me, Isang Bassey, you know, he's probably not going to come out this year. Um, but somebody who, and I hope he doesn't, because I think he could be one of the better cornerbacks for that 2020 class. Um, you know, Zeke Rodney and Willie Yarbury, you know, they kind of take turns in terms of, of uh, you know, who who has the, the breakout game. This time it was Willie Yarbury, uh, 6'2", 285 pounds, fires off low off the ball, drive, drove into Alex Bars, the left guard, who himself is a pro prospect, and, uh, you know, drove him back into the running back, um ultimately went down, got that tackle for loss. Really, he got under bars, pad level, drove him back into the backfield. And, you know, if the running back can't get going, if he has no space because you're basically taking his blocker and driving him back into him, making contact with the running back, then you know you're doing your job as as a defensive tackle. Now, Zeke Rodney, 6'1", 305 pounds, um, you know, playing over the nose quite a bit. Um, You know, he... Did a good job, you know, really extending his arms into Sam Mustafer, driving him back to collapse the pocket, um, you know. But uh, his job against Notre Dame mostly was was taking on blockers, um, you know. But but Willie Arbery, um, you know, I, I thought did a really good job. Was really effective against Alex Bars. I think Bars lost lost leverage uh, on quite a few plays to Yarbury, um, driven back off the ball. Um, you know, so that's something that you're going to have to watch from bars. He's 6'6", uh, 315 pounds. Didn't really look like he had the speed, uh, at tackle to handle, handle the speed rush and being 6'6", he's a, he's a taller guy on the inside. Um, and and he's proven already that he, he loses leverage. Um, so that's something that, you know, if he's going to be a guy that uh, you're going to be taking, um, 
in the in the first few rounds of the draft, he's going to have to show that he can keep that, that butt down, keep that pad level down, um, because if he pops up out of his stance too much, you know that's really what's uh, you know a, an offensive lineman getting driven back into the backfield is not one that's uh, going to be very effective at the next level. Um, Clemson, Georgia Tech, Bobby Dodd Stadium there in Atlanta. Clemson coming out with a victory. Um, 49-21. Uh, Kelly Bryant, you know, was benched in favor of uh, of Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, Trevor Lawrence, you know, was was dynamic. You know, 13 of 18, 176 yards, four touchdowns. Um, you know, he's named the starter. Kelly Bryant, after being demoted, decided he was going to go ahead and transfer. Um, you know, so Trevor Lawrence, you know, being able to air the football out. I think he'll spread it, spread the ball around to to all of his receivers. But the guy who was really making the plays was Hunter Renfro. Uh, you know, to me, I look at Hunter Renfro, and he's the guy. Who, he's the possession receiver. There's always one in every draft class that ultimately makes a roster. Um, may not even get drafted, but he, he's going to make a roster. And, th- and this year, it's Hunter Renfro, 5'10", 180 pounds. Um, you know, if the name sounds familiar, he was the the guy who who caught that winning touchdown pass when uh, Clemson won the national title. Um, but he's just a just an excellent route runner. No, knows how to set the the defensive uh, the defensive back up. You know, runs a, a route to the inside and breaks to the outside. But that stem at the top of his route to basically step um, step inside before breaking outside. You know, on that corner route creates a ton of separation. Um, He's very tough. Took a you know took a huge hit and still held on to the football. And then he showed off his athleticism, his vertical leap, um, you know the full extension on the sideline, leaping catch, the body control to also get his feet in bounds, um, you know along the sidelines. Um, Hunter Renfro to me is just a he's a football player. He may not be the best athlete, may not always you know may not test all that well, but at the end of the day, he knows how to get open. Savvy route runner to me, he's going to be that guy that you know you're you're going to need a go-to receiver in the slot, and, and he's proven time and time again to be you know, whether the quarterback is you know Deshaun Watson or Kelly Bryant or Trevor Lawrence, he's the guy that they go to he's their security blanket and i don't think anything's going to be different at the next level you know if i'm deshaun watson and i'm sitting there in houston and i'm looking for another receiver a guy that i can get get the ball to with you know and be you know a reliable target there in the slot because you won't always be able to get every pass to deandre hopkins guess what i can get the ball to hunter renfro and uh you know he can attack the middle of the field um you know defensively you know when you're when you're battling uh, the the triple option there, um, you know Cleveland Farrell not much of a factor. You know he showed off his speed and length. Um, you know able to to get outside um, and, and able to track down the the, the football. But um, you know really the, the the guy that I think stepped up his game was Christian Wilkins. You know the six four three hundred pound senior, uh, the kindergarten teacher. Um, just showed a really good job shooting past the left guard off the snap, good burst off the ball, a quick rip move, able to uh, get in and disrupt uh, disrupt the, the the quarterback, able to strip the football. Uh, that strip sack um, showed he was very um, you know very disruptive. Um, also showed off some athleticism, avoided two cut blocks on the on the perimeter, able to come down the line, drop the quarterback for no gain. 
um, took on multiple blockers, um, plugged up the A gap very well. Um, you know, there was you know, even a play where he was driven back on a double team, but he kept his feet moving, was able to get off the block, came back around, got downhill, and able to make a play on the football. To me, Christian Wilkins is looking more and more like a first round pick, um, you know, and somebody who, you know, you have to consider in, in the top 25. Um, you know, Dexter Lawrence, the big 6'4", 340 pound uh, nose tackle. Uh, was just burying the center off the snap. It was it was really fun to watch. You know what he was doing to that center, just driving him back into the backfield, disrupting the run, taking on multiple blockers again. Um, you know he's he's very gets very low off the ball, very stout. Takes on the blocker, able to disengage and then drop the running back in the hole. Uh, Dexter Lawrence is one of those guys who's just very active. Um, as as a defensive tackle, he's not just somebody who's going to absorb uh, absorb blockers. Um, you know, 62 tackles uh, in 2016. He was slowed by injury in 2017, only 33 tackles. But somebody who who can rush the passer a little bit at the defensive tackle position. To me, when you're looking at at that, you know, you, you've talked about or I've talked about Dontari Poe, Vita Vea, some of those guys who um are our athletes are three down defenders guys who can you know that can affect both the pass and the run at that defensive tackle position especially at that nose tackle position you know those are guys that are going to come off the board in the top 15 picks i think dexter lawrence is going to show that he's he's that as well um one guy who i think you know his draft stock is continuing to drop and that's mitch hyatt um you know just the the foot speed i i think he gets to you know he um, struggles, you know, he was very flat-footed at times. Um, you know, I thought he did a good job anchoring against uh, against the bull rush. You know, he'd extend his arms into into the the defensive end and uh, showed some good leg drive off the ball. He was a much better run blocker than he was as a pass blocker, uh, but he was bending bending at the waist quite a bit off the snap. Um, you know, wasn't really able to to square up and uh, ultimately was thrown down by by Saint Armor on a play. Um, you know, it's, it's something that, uh, you know, ultimately he, he was sliding with, with another defensive end, but he was unable to really recover and, uh, ultimately sacked a quarterback who was stepping up. Um, I think he gets too high, gets too flat footed. You know, he was shoved down on a play. Um, you know, basically got on his heels, driven back by by Serge Henderson, basically fell down right on his right on his rear end. Um, you know, to me, Mitch Hyatt, I was looking at him as one of the top tackles in this draft. I think coming into the year, if you listen to the very first podcast, I was talking about him as a top ten tackle. He's completely fallen off my board, um, and, and I think he's somebody who teams may look at as one of those veteran tackles, possibly being a swing tackle at some point. But uh, he's really going to have to prove to teams that you know he's he has the athleticism to play the tackle position if he expects to get drafted at all on uh, on day three. Alabama continued to roll, um, you know, there in Tuscaloosa, Bryant Denny Stadium, forty-five twenty-three winners over Texas A&M. Tua Tagovailoa, you know, talked about it earlier as the Heisman favorite, twenty-two of thirty, three hundred eighty-seven yards, four touchdowns. Um, Let's see. Also have four carries for 10 yards and a touchdown as well. Um, just the precision passing, you know, that, that comes out of this kid. It, it's just unreal. Um, you know, first play of the game, you know, after a, a pick by Mac Wilson, 30-yard um, strike to, to Devontae Smith. 
Uh, it was basically just a, a, a go route. And, uh, you know, he set up the, the corner, able to run by him and just, you know, the, the, the pinpoint accuracy diving catch by the, by the receiver, put it out in front of him. Um, you know, they, they showed a stat during the game, you know, one touchdown pass every seven and a half attempts, you know, 72.8% passer coming into the game. Um, you know, I, I think he does a good job, not only, you know, taking shots down the field when it's necessary, but he also understands when to take what the defense can, um, is giving him. He's not going to try to force it when, when he doesn't need to, um, does an excellent job going through his progressions as well. Um, you know, he was 13 and a 13 on third down and, um, before he finally one hop to pass, um, as he was rolling out, um, ultimately, um, you know, th- this is a kid that just has that it factor, you know, being able to read defenses, the anticipation, the ability to put the ball right where the receiver can make a play on the football and, uh, um, and make a play after the catch, putting the ball away from the defender, you know, whether it's low and outside, um, you know, putting, um, putting the ball up so a receiver can get it, putting the ball out in front, um, you know, so that they can make a play and, and run with the football after the catch. You know, this kid's the real deal. Um, and, you know, he's 6'1", 218 pounds, not the tallest kid, but just, you know, very intelligent, you know, mature beyond his years and somebody who I think we'll be talking about uh, very early on for the 2020 draft. Uh, but getting back to this next year's draft, Jonah Williams, um, 6'5", 301 pounds, uh, the junior, you know, just so quick out of his stance, you know, just an effortless kick slide, um, you know, the good punch, you know, but he's really patient as well. So he's one of those guys who gets out and, uh, you know, once he gets his hands on you, you know, he, he kind of waits a little bit and then he gets his hands into you, good explosion and pop with his hands and uh, just able to mirror excellent feet, plays with good leverage and leg drive in the running game, um, generates a lot of movement. Um, you know, you know, he was pulling, getting out as as one of the lead blockers as well. To me, Jonah Williams, he and Greg Little of Ole Miss are the top two tackles for this year's draft. Um, you know, and and I think that's, um, uh, you know, pretty much you know. Um, uh, a, a given at this point, I think, you know, if you look at Mike McGlinchey as a, you know, a top 10 pick, somebody who I think that spoke as much to the, um, the fact that he was head and shoulders above all of the other offensive tackle prospects. And it was kind of a, a, a draft that, um, didn't have much depth. There's much better depth at the offensive tackle position, but I still think that Jonah Williams and Greg Little have set themselves apart from everybody else that I think they will be top 10 picks when it's all said and done. Let's see. Who else can we talk about? Mac Wilson, you know, 6'2", 239 pound junior inside linebacker. Here, here's one of the things, you know, the very first play quarterback gets hit by, by Quinn and Williams and uh, the ball comes out. He's able to jump in front of the, the receiver, make a diving interception. And then Tua makes that, that touchdown pass the very next play. Um, but he's aggressive. He's one of those guys to where he got picked on. Um, you know, there was a play where you know the tight end ends up running a corner route. And um, the whole middle got cleared out because both the safety and Mac took that tight end. And there was another tight end that came up the seam, um, and that was uh, Jay Sternberger, and uh, you know, 15-yard touchdown there. But you know, Sternberger, 
is uh, Texas A&M's leading receiver um, in terms of touchdowns, 6'4", 250 pounds, the junior. You know, um, he was the guy that caught it up the seam. You know, he's lined up at the H-back position. And, uh, you know, Wood, the other tight end, cleared things out for him, came right up the seam, made a catch. Um, you know, just excellent hands uh, from this kid, a guy who has shown that he can make plays down the football field, somebody that we'll be talking about next year. Um, you know, he's somebody – you know, there's a chance that he can end up coming out. There are a lot of uh, junior prospects already, um, but you know, he, I think he's somebody who's starting to make a name for himself. Um, you know, there really wasn't any any doubt there from you know from Alabama. They they continued to um, to make plays. You know, Isaiah Bugs had a huge game: seven tackles, three three sacks, two uh, quarterback hurries. Um, you know, he's somebody that I have penciled in at my defensive tackle position in my top 10. And, uh, you know, frankly, he's, he's somebody, you know, that has played the three, four defensive end. I have him at the defensive tackle, but I think he's going to be a three, four end at the next level versus, uh, Raekwon Davis. I think, you know, Raekwon Davis really needs to play inside. You know, he was lined up at, at the nose tackle, uh, position quite a bit, you know, um, when, Quinn and Williams wasn't in there. Um, they move Raekwon inside. And I think you saw Raekwon against Greg Little. He struggled, you know, um, with that athleticism from that offensive tackle. Um, but inside, that's where he's going to be able to create those mismatches, be able to overpower guys, be able to use that quickness for a guy his size, 6'7", 316 pounds. To me, he's got to play inside. That's where he belongs. I think that's where he can really make a, make a difference and be a playmaker. Let's see. West Virginia, 35-6 to winners over Kansas State. Will Greer, uh, you know, 76% passer. Just a guy who's who's been very accurate all uh, all season long. Um, deep ball accuracy, you know, being able to put the ball, uh, allow the receiver to, um, you know, run under the ball and make a play on the football and uh, make plays after the catch. Um I think the biggest thing for Will Greer, he just needs to watch trying to fit the ball into tight windows. You know, he trusts his arm a little bit too much, and I think that's where he can get himself into trouble a little bit is if he tries to force the ball um, rather than take what the defense gives him at times. But, uh, you know, he does a great job manipulating the pocket. You know, uh, there was one play where he rolled right um, and then able to step up and uh, ultimately hit David Sills um, sitting down in the zone. Um, just the, the ability that the touch on, on the fade pass allows his receivers to go up and get it. But uh, again, another quarterback who gets it, you know, a guy who's going to be able to get the ball to his receiver, allow them to make plays after the catch six two, two 223 pounds, uh, 25 or 35, 356 yards, five touchdowns did throw two interceptions. Um, got to cut down on the interceptions. That's really the biggest thing. Um, you know, that I, I think we can take away from, um, Will Greer's performance, if there is a negative, um, you know, you look at at the stats a season ago. Thirty-four receptions did throw twelve interceptions. I'm sorry, thirty-four touchdowns did throw twelve interceptions. Um, and I'm trying to pull up Will Greer's stats so far for this year. Um, let's see, 
you know, 74.7% completion percentage, completion percentage dropped just a little bit. Um, but uh, 14 touchdowns, just three interceptions. Um, you know, he, he's got to make sure that he, he continues to make good decisions, doesn't try to force the football. And I, I think if he does that, I've got him penciled in right now as my um, number four quarterback. I've got Herbert, Locke, and Finley ahead of him. But, uh, you know, I really want to see what Will Greer can do going forward. Um, and see if he might be able to move up the, 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 the board just a little bit. Um, you know, David Sills, you know, 6'4", 210 pounds, you know, 210 pounds. You know, I think his, his story is well documented. He was the, the, the quarterback who received a scholarship offer from USC in 2010, uh, came to West Virginia as a receiver in 2015, wanted to play quarterback. So he, he went to El Camino college in 2016. Um, that didn't really pan out for him, came back. 2017 was a Blitnikoff finalist a season ago. And uh, you know what? You can see, you know, you, you understand his ability as a, as a quarterback when he's running, when he's a receiver, running the routes, um, you know, and just that intelligence um, that he brings to the to that position, you know, understanding uh, the route concepts and, and being able to read defenders and read defenses a little bit. I think he, he's able to take that, um, you know, to his game. Um, excellent hands as well in that for the for, former quarterback plucks the ball out of the air very effortlessly um you know does a good job with his routes does a good job setting up his man um he's always not the most explosive guy but you know i think he does a good job shielding defenders from the football able to elevate um you know hauled in a 50-50 ball over the back um just a really um athletic um athletic receiver somebody who i think should be a, a a day two pick when it's all said and done you know greg jennings um 97 receptions a season ago and we had three touchdowns last week um and only have one touchdown in, in all of 2017 um a, a guy who can play in the slot can play on the outside 6'2 215 pounds and then marcus sims you know he's only a junior he'll be back uh back next season um but you know was a vertical threat getting past defenders um, you know, ran an excellent double move, set up the defender and, and got deep. It was a hitch and go, uh, 82 yard touchdown. Um, just, you know, a tremendous athlete there on the outside. Um, and then the last guy that I have to talk about before we move on is Dalton Reisner, you know, the six, five, 308 pound, um, right tackle there for Kansas state, a very easy kick slide, you know, was beating linebackers to the edge. I thought, you know, very, very easy mover, um, you know, that power step to the inside was able to wall off the defender with any inside rush. You saw the change of direction as well. You know, started outside with plant and then cut back to the inside to pick up the defensive end. Um, very light on his feet. Um, does a good job getting his, his, his hands under the pad level, extends his arms to lock out and just basically controls his man. Um, you know, he, he has... That, you know, I talked about the leverage, you know, with that hand placement, you know, driving his man um, off the ball and then looks to bury him, you know, and in the run game too, caving in the right, whole right side of the line, um, just really controlled his man the entire game. You didn't see guys really rushing off the right-hand side. The big reason for that was because Dalton Reisner had control of his man. Texas got the win over TCU, 31-16. Um, you know, my guy, Gary Johnson, you know, the undersized outside linebacker, um, you know, playing the rover position, um, six foot, uh, 230 pounds, very explosive athlete, 11 tackles, um, one going for loss. And then uh, Chris Boyd, you know, he's six foot, 190 pound, 
Um, cornerback, three three tackles, three um, pass breakups. He and Devontae Davis are bona fide um, pro prospects. I actually have Chris Boyd penciled in in my top 10. I have him coming in at, at the number five corner. You know, I've got Greedy Williams, DeAndre Baker, Amani uh, Oruwarie, Justin, uh, or I'm sorry, Julian Love, and then Chris Boyd sitting right there. And, uh, you know, Devontae Davis, the 6'2 corner, um, had two pass breakups on the day as well. Um, you know, those are two corners that, uh, you know, I, I think when it's all said and done, um, I think Boyd is definitely a, a day two pick. I think Davis will probably end up being day three, but two guys that can absolutely play at the next level. Um, receiving, you know, the receiver, Colin Johnson, had a big day, seven receptions, 124 yards, and a touchdown. I'm hoping that this is a sign that, you know, Colin Johnson is really putting everything together. You know, I, I thought after the USC game where, um, you know, he had well over 100 yards receiving you know, last year. He never really lived up to that, um, you know, that potential that you saw in that game. This year, though, you're seeing Colin Johnson game in and game out, um, really um, making plays down the field. He's not disappearing. You know, he's, he's continuing to uh, be a presence down the field for Sam Ellinger. And that's really what you're looking for, you know, especially when you have little Jordan Humphrey on, on the other side. I think his emergence is taking some of the pressure off of Colin Johnson this year and really just allowing him to play. Uh, 20 receptions, 299 yards, uh, and, and two touchdowns so far on the year for uh, Colin Johnson. TCU, um, you know, uh, really when you talk about their defense, you have to talk about Ben Banigou. Um, three tackles, one and a half sacks, uh, two quarterback hurries. Um, someone who just absolutely gets to the quarterback, relentless in his pursuit of the of the quarterback. Um, probably going to be an out um, stand up rusher off the edge, three four outside linebacker. Um, probably be a situational pass rusher at least, you know, to to start out. But uh, somebody who I think um, probably going to end up being a day three, early day three pick, probably a fourth rounder. Um, would be my guess if I had to uh, had to say right now. Let's see, Mississippi State and Kentucky. Yeah, I've been waiting to talk about this game um, because there were quite a few guys to to keep an eye on. I'm looking at my my note sheet here, and I've got it's filled up with with guys that I want to talk about. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, whenever you talk about Mississippi State, then obviously you're wanting to talk about uh, Montez Sweat and, and Jeffrey Simmons. You know, Montez Sweat, 6'6", 245 pounds. You know, I think everyone's comparing him to Jason Taylor. Um, you know, the same same size virtually. Uh, they compared him on this latest broadcast once again. Um, I, I look at a guy, if you're looking at someone in the league now, um, Daniil Hunter is somebody who really stands out to me. A guy who I thought, okay, he's he's a little little undersized. I mean, he's tall, but he's very tall and very lean. Wasn't sure that he was going to be able to transition and be a defensive end at the next level, um, but he's able to. You know, has shown that he's able to do that. And I think Montez Sweat is a similar um, similar uh, comparison there. Um, very long, very athletic, explosive off the football. Able to get to the quarterback in a hurry, um, you know. I think he does a good job using his his length, his hands, um, you know, and can be a, a, a disruptive force coming off the edge. Um, already five sacks on the year, seven and a half tackles for loss. Um, you know, in this game, Sweat, uh, gosh, six tackles, one and a half 
um, one and a half sacks, and uh, you know just really does a good job with the you know with the get off. You know just so quick off the ball. Um, you know <laughs> does a good job setting his man up. You know he kind of fake um, you know fake inside on the right tackle and then gets back to the outside. Um, did a good job extending his hands into the chest of the right tackle, and then basically bench pressed the guy. You know he, he had good leverage, was able to kind of hold hold the point there, and then when the quarterback was flushed from the pocket by the defensive tackle, he was able to bench press off of the the right tackle, get to the quarterback for the sack. Um, just a very um, you see a lot of different pass rush moves. You don't just see him coming off the edge. A lot of pass rushers, um, situational guys, are just going to want to bend off the edge. But you're going to see him setting up his man, coming um, inside, getting back outside. Um, you know, and, and really the hands. Um, you know, just so such power in the hands. You know, had it hands into the chest of the left tackle, drove him back. Quarterback stepped up, was able to come off of that block to disrupt uh, disrupt the quarterback there as well. Jeffrey Simmons, 6'4", 300 pounds, uh, the junior. Man, this defensive tackle class is insane. I know that he's somebody that we've been, or I've been talking about quite a bit. Um, and you look at Ed Oliver, uh, Dexter Jones, uh, Draymond Jones, uh, Draymond, or I'm sorry, Dexter Lawrence, Draymond Jones, Jeffrey Simmons is right there. I have him penciled in as the number four defensive tackle. And he was just so disruptive the entire game, just so quick off the ball, use an arm over to beat the center time and time again. Uh, just so active with the hands, um, you know, rip off the snap, you know, as well. So not just using that arm over, which seemed to be his favorite move, but, you know, that rip move took on two defenders, good leverage under the pad level, um, to, to ultimately split the two defenders there, um, you know, extended into the center, drove him back into the backfield as well. Was just manhandling the center off the ball the entire game. Uh, you really had to had to feel for Drake Jackson because he really had his hands full. Um, you know, here was the biggest thing you know for for Jeffrey Simmons that he has to watch out for because he is so athletic. He has such a great burst. He was double teamed quite a bit, and there were there were some times where he he was getting frustrated. It seemed like Kentucky was kind of getting under his skin, and he was targeted a little bit um, because of that. And they knew, you know, and, and it's something that I think teams, NFL teams, are going to do their homework on this guy. They're going to realize that they can get under his skin, and if they get flat, if they can get him flagged for personal foul penalty uh, or unsportsmanlike conduct, they're going to do it. They're going to take advantage of it. So Jeffrey Simmons has to learn to keep his cool. Um, got flagged for a penalty, but you know, six tackles, two tackles for loss. But don't just look at the stat sheet. He was the guy who was dominating the point of attack the entire game with his speed, his hand usage, and and his overall power. Um, when we're talking about pass rushers, gosh, Josh Allen out of Kentucky, um, not the Josh Allen that's now playing for the Buffalo Bills, but Josh Allen, the 6'5", 260-pound outside linebacker. Uh, they made it a point on the broadcast to talk about him being a two-star linebacker. Um, only other scholarship offer was to Monmouth. Um, but man, you want to talk about athletic. This guy is just so explosive off the ball. You know, we're looking at all these different defensive ends. We talk about Nick Bosa, um, you know, Cleveland Farrell, uh, Montez Sweat. Um, Josh Josh Allen may be more explosive than any of those guys. Brian Burns is another one. He may be the most explosive off the edge. I really am looking forward to the 10-yard split in the 40 because I think Josh Allen has a chance to have the fastest of all of the pass rushers. He is so fast off the ball. Um, just did an excellent job 
beating the right tackle, you know, not only, you know, bending around the edge, but also beating him inside, just be, you know, quick off the ball and just shooting the gaps um, inside. Um, was able to put his hand in the ground, played quite a bit as, as a defensive end, um, but was also stand up basically as a 3-4 outside linebacker. Did a good job running the arc, able to bend, very fluid hips, turning the corner, flattening out, getting to the quarterback. Um, you know, he was able to also drop into coverage as well. Very athletic. You know, again, I talked about the hips. I thought he showed some fluid hips to turn and run. Um, you know, showed some speed down the line to drop the quarterback for a four-yard loss on a quarterback run. Um, you know, the burst in the hands to get to the edge, um, you know, ultimately forced to hold by the, by the offensive tackle, um, just really to, you know, the, the rips, the rip move that he uses, um, you know, just really does an excellent job. Uh, you know, the play that there was one play that I really had to, had to watch over and over again, um, Going up against the left tackle, and really there are a couple of left tackles that Mississippi State tried to put on him. Greg Island um, was was one. I think Daryl Williams was in there. Tyree Phillips, um, the six eight. You know, Greg Island had a hard time really um, with, with his pad pad level. But what was crazy was was Josh Allen with that explosiveness. He had already covered five yards off to the off the ball um, as a left left tackle had you know three steps into his kick slide beat the left tackle to the edge, forced the left tackle to open up, and then was just able to get around the edge with his hands and uh, flattened out to the quarterback. You know, it was just so explosive. I really wanted to see just how far was he getting off the ball. And, you know, with just three three kick slides, he was already five yards up the field. You know, there's no way that you can ask an offensive tackle to be able to, to block that guy one-on-one. It just wasn't going to happen. So end of the day, when you're looking at the overall stats for Josh Allen, six tackles, a sack, two tackles for loss, pass breakup, quarterback hurry, filling up the stat sheet, and uh, you know really was affecting just about every play. Again, I talk about affecting plays. Jeffrey Simmons was the guy you had the game plan for on every single play. Montez Sweat, Josh Allen, these are guys that are moving up the draft boards. And I keep saying, you know, Rashawn Gary is one of those guys. He has all the talent in the world, but I'm still waiting for him to make plays, um, you know, and be that guy that you have to game plan for, um, you know, play in and play out. I thought that Jordan Jones had a good game. 6'2", 218-pound linebacker, showed speed uh, on a cross dog blitz, looped around, hit the quarterback as he threw, um, showed excellent range, uh, getting outside, you know, playing inside out to get to the get to the football. Uh, fourth and three, shot the A-gap, um, ultimately wrapped up the running back, uh, Aris Willems for only a two-yard gain. Um, you know, just very instinctive good athlete he's kind of an undersized linebacker but eight tackles and a quarterback hurry uh, for Jones on the day uh, Mike Edwards uh, showed he can be a hard hitter um, you know back there as a safety uh, six foot 200 pounds and uh, just an excellent wrap-up tackler does a good job playing over the top Derek Beatty four-year four-year starter uh, at the cornerback position 6'3 188 pounds 
um, show good feet and uh, you know and pretty good hips for his size as well. Being able to turn and run with the with the receiver, get his hand up and make a play on the football. Um, he's somebody who I think is kind of a sleeper right now. Um, you know, not a lot of people are talking about Derek Beatty, but he he is one of those veterans, and he's somebody that you know, especially with his size, you know, teams are going to to want to take a look at at him on the outside. Um, Twenty one pass breakups in his career, five uh, five interceptions, um, you know, one hundred twenty two tackles. He he's someone who. You know, didn't see the ball thrown his way all that often. You know, they wanted to throw more um, the opposite direction. Um, you know, I think the safeties were making quite a bit of plays, but uh, Derek Beatty, somebody to keep an eye on. Um, you know, and then there's C.J. Conrad. We were waiting for him to make a play uh, on the football. You know, I think he's a decent inline blocker, but he went up the seam and ultimately was able to reach and extend really over uh, Chris Rayford, leaping up and over him uh, to haul in the pass. It was really a uh, really a lot of fun to watch that play. Um, Mississippi State offensively, you know, Nick Fitzgerald, just, you know, accuracy issues really struggled, um, you know, with, with his, his ball placement, um, sailed, you know, quite a few passes. He was just 16 to 32 for 145 yards and and an interception. Did a good job running the football, very elusive as a runner. But, you know, to me, if he, if he can't be accurate, um, you know, then it's something that that's he's really going to have to work on that if he wants to make an NFL roster. Um, obviously, Elgin Jennings, I'm sorry, Elgin Jenkins, you know, the 6'4", 310 pound center, um, you know, had another really good game, you know, very light on his feet, fires off, quick off the ball, gets under the defensive tackles pad level, um, stands him up right off the ball. Um, just the, the leverage, time and time again, you know, the hand placement, the balance, the, the base. You know, he's a guy who I think could be a plug-and-play center uh, at, at the next level. You know, just I, I look at my notes and I keep talking about, you know, um, you know playing with, with leverage, playing with good leverage. You know, picking up a linebacker on a, on a cross-dog blitz and just stuffed him. Why? Because of a low base and uh, and leverage. You know, and that's really where he was winning at the point of attack. Um, Wisconsin, I said they, they had the win over Iowa. Um, you know, Jonathan... Taylor, another 100-yard performance, 113 yards on the ground. Um, you know, David Taylor, or I'm sorry, uh, David Edwards, and, uh, you know, Tyler Biotis, Bo Benshaw had a much better game. You know, um, Tyler Biotis, for me, you know, I thought was the guy that really stood out in the game against Iowa. You know, very agile on his pulls, um, very easy to turn and seal off the defensive tackle, showed really good hips as well. Um, you know, someone who I thought, you know, looked very athletic at the center position um, in this game. Um, a tight end to watch. Noah Fant gets all the all the recognition, but TJ Hawkinson is really showing that he can be a weapon in the slot. Three receptions, 125 yards on the day. Um, you know, Olive Sagapolu, the, the nose tackle, um, known on, on ESPN for, for the backflip. But, you know, somebody who you know, can hold the point of attack. Um, very athletic, a guy who I think is going to hear his name called on day three. TJ Edwards, five tackles, one going for loss and an interception. The Buckus Award finalist, um, you know, continues to make plays. Um, Wisconsin, num- ranked number 18, um, went into Kinnick, won 28 to, to 17. Um, got to watch NC State take on Marshall. Um, you know, 37 to 20 final. 
Uh, Ryan Finley, 377 yards passing, um, you know, and, and three touchdowns. You know, the thing with Ryan Finley is he's just he's he's very efficient. He's a three-year starter, 74.1% passer on the on the year thus far. Um, just does a good job seeing the entire field, goes through his pr- progressions, feels the pressure, and and you know he shows off that anticipation. You know, very accurate, squares the shoulders, good zip on the football, able to make throws outside the numbers to the wide side of the field. Um, you know, and shows the arm strength to to throw the ball down the football field. Had a fifty, you know, a, a pass that went fifty-five yards in the air to to Kelvin Harmon. Um, able to drop the ball in, you know, as Harmon beat the defensive backs, got behind them. Um, you know, there's a deep cross that was run by by Jacoby Myers. Did a good job squaring his shoulders to the ball. Just very, like I said, very efficient. Um, you know, he's a pocket passer, not the most athletic, but you know, six four, two hundred fifteen pounds. To me, um, Ryan Finley, I'd have him penciled in as my my number three quarterback right now. Um, but Ryan Finley, definitely someone who um, is is looking more and more like a first round pick at the quarterback position. Kelvin Harmon, um, the receiver, six three, two hundred fourteen pounds, had an excellent game. Um, big bodied receiver, excellent hands. Um, you know, although he does let the ball get into his body more often than I'd like, um, you know, and that's when he gets into trouble, either dropping the ball or, uh, allowing a defender to make a play on the football. But, you know, he has shown, uh, an improvement with the hands, especially in this game. Um, ultimately six receptions, 150 yards on the day. I thought he was another guy that really stood out to me. Um, and then blocking the center, um, Garrett Bradbury, you know, very agile, um, able to get to the second level, um, get a block on the linebacker. You know, again, you know, it, it, what drives me nuts is, is the guys that will climb to the second level. They do such a good job getting out there and then not really make a block or not really make a play. And uh, he's someone who can break down, um, very under control, gets in out, out there and, and uh, able to make a block. But the, the, the upset of the day, Old Dominion, 49-35 winners over Virginia Tech. And O'Shane Zimenez, if you don't know the name, uh, get used to, to hearing it. 6'4", 255 pounds. Zimenez spelled X-I-M-I-N-E-S. And uh, O'Shane, very athletic. Uh, you know, the speed um, off the ball just basically took off um, You know, on the, on the outside. Um, one of the things that I thought was impressive was, you know, I was talking about Yeshua Nijman as a as a potential, you know, top ten tackle in the draft, and he essentially embarrassed him. You know, he um, took him upfield, um, used a slap and, and rip to get by him, and and ultimately pressured the quarterback. Um, the secondary moves, I think, was one of the things that really stood out to me. Um, had two sacks on the day. The first sack of the game, you know, had burst off the ball, left hand to the to the shoulder pad. And then a rip to get by with his right arm, flattened out to the quarterback, ran by uh, Nijman, who essentially was just off balance at that point and was lunging at uh, at thin air um, when he ultimately uh, got to the quarterback. Um, showed a good swim move on on the on the tackle, um, able to to chase the quarterback out of the pocket, and uh, ultimately was able to to wrap him up for a sack on the perimeter. Um, uses his hands very well to get off the block, um, drop the running back uh, behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, there was a bubble screen to the inside, able to get outside to the perimeter. He was rushing the quarterback, got outside, tracked down the receiver, dropped him for no gain. Excellent recognition there. Um, 
does a really good job to slip blocks as well. You know, basically shooting inside um, on run plays. Um, you know, you, you saw you know the swim. There was a swim move, the arm over, um, which is essentially the same thing, and then a. Uh, uh, you know the rip moves, just a lot of different ways to to get to the quarterback for for Ziminus. Um, six four, two hundred fifty five pounds. Is he a defensive end? Is is he an outside linebacker? That's really going to be the thing that uh, um, teams are going to want to know about for for O'Shane. But I thought that he, you know, definitely emerged as a pro prospect in this in this draft. You know, I've talked about him for quite a while, um, but uh, this is something that really put him on the national stage, and he was able to uh, able to perform. And look, um, you know, two receivers that that have to get get some recognition, and and have to start being considered as pro prospects on day three, and uh, you know, the first one is Jonathan Duhart. You know, here here's the thing with 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 Duhart. You know, he's he's a big receiver, six three, two hundred ten pounds, and uh, just understands how to use his big body against uh, against defensive backs you know that's that's one of the things that I think stands out um, you know old Dominion you know I've gotten to see Jonathan Duhart play quite a bit and uh, you know it, it's one of those things to where he uh, you know when, when I got to watch Ray Lowry and and, and Zach Pascal Zach Pascal playing for the Colts right now I think Jonathan Duhart um, is actually a better pro prospect than Zach Pascal um, was when he was at Old Dominion um, just an excellent job adjusting to the football in the back shoulder fade um, tough over the middle excellent hands like I said big target knows how to use his his body to his advantage plucks the ball out of the air on a crossing route. Um, out route was able to extend for the football, get his football uh, foot in bounds, drag the toe before going out. Nine receptions, 142 yards, three touchdowns. Um, you know, can be a weapon in the red zone. Um, definitely someone to keep an eye on um, as we get closer and closer to the draft. Um, and then his uh, his counterpart on the other side, Travis Fulgham, you know, had an even better day. Nine receptions, 188 yards, and a touchdown. Um, you know, a vertical receiver, you know, able to catch the ball over, over his shoulder, um, always seems to be in, in good position, um, to, to catch the football. Um, excellent job on a slant route from the slot. Um, ultimately ran to the vacated area of the zone, um, able to, to extend for the ball, pluck the ball out of the air. Um, you know, his 25 yard touchdown ran a vertical route, um, was able to get separation from the cornerback late. And, and haul in the pass. Um, two guys, like I said, receivers that should be on an NFL roster. Um, I, I think with Jonathan Duhart, I, I need to get back to him real quick. Um, the 29-yard touchdown pass, it was a vertical route, heading up the sideline, and uh, let's see. You know, ultimately, the, the cornerback was just grabbing his jersey, had a handful of, of that jersey um, after running by press coverage. Had a, a step on the corner, tracked the ball very well over his shoulder, and with the cornerback just draped all over him, and still with the hand of uh, a hand uh, on on the jersey, he was able to go ahead and haul it in with his left arm and uh, make that touchdown with one hand. Um, so again, speaks to to the strength there at the at the receiver position, and uh, Jonathan Duhart, a name to remember. Washington took out uh, 
Herm Edwards and Arizona State, 27-20. Arizona State, it's one of those things um, against Michigan State. You know, uh, Manny Wilkins threw for 380 yards, but Eno Benjamin just 27 yards. And then in a 28-21 loss to San Diego State, um, Wilkins again over 300 yards passing. Uh, Eno Benjamin just 21 yards. So they wanted to flip the script a little bit, um, show themselves to be a power running game, um, a running team. Eno Benjamin, 26 carries. And, uh, you know, 104 yards and a touchdown. Manny Wilkins, just 17 of, of 27 for 104 yards. Um, Eno Benjamin showed power uh, with cutback ability. Um, you know, that was one of the things that I think really stood out for him. Also showed some soft hands as a receiver. Um, I, I think that's really stood, what, what stood out for me with, with him. Um, you know, Nikhil Harry, you know, not, not much of a factor. Five receptions, just 20 yards. They kept him bottled up for much of the game. Kayla McGarry, the 6'8", 324-pound right tackle. Easy mover. Um, does a really good job um, controlling the point of attack. Um, able to seal off the, the defensive end to the inside on runs as well. Um, you know, those were the guys that kind of stood out for me um, during that game. Obviously, uh, Chase Lucas, the six foot, 175-pound sophomore, uh, corner freshman all-american you know read the double move on the first play of the game was able to sink back uh underneath the route and pick off the pass um but uh you know washington lives to to you know to to, to see another day um you know in impact 12 play um undefeated impact 12 play but uh you know one of those things to where um, they, they need to be a little bit more explosive. Miles, Miles Gaskin, just 21 carries uh, for 20, for 86 yards, 202 yards passing from, from Jake Browning. The guy, the name to remember is, is Ty Jones. He's their, their big playmaker, 6'4", 210-pound sophomore, excellent body control, um, you know, ran a post-corner, um, was able to um, get the cornerback's hips open, able to get back outside and uh, elevate for the play or elevate for the football. Um, just a kid who just seems to be putting everything together at the right moment. And, uh, you know, a, a guy that uh, is going to be making plays there for the next couple of years for the Huskies. And then finally, we talked about the Stanford game, 38-31, winners over Oregon. Um, really wanted to talk about some players here that uh, you know, are going to be hearing their name called um, in the first first two days of the draft. Uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, um, you know, what was just so crazy was he was boxing, you know, really it's, you see it week in and week out, boxing out corners on, on fade routes, able to elevate high point the football, just like he's, he's rebounding a pat, uh, rebounding a, a missed shot um, on, out on the basketball court um, with 18 seconds uh, to go in the game, you know, made a good job, you know, uh, did, did a good job catch, you know, not only hauling in the pass, but being able to spin away from the corner and able to ultimately get up the sideline and then run out of bounds, um, you know, for 18 yards, ultimately allowing them to um, tie the game up before going into overtime. Uh, but J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, he's a vertical threat. He's a guy who can attack the ball in, in the air. He's a red zone nightmare. Um, to me, he's one of the better better wide receivers in this draft class. Again, if you go to readyforthedraft.com, You'll see that J.J. Arcega-Whiteside right now sitting as my number six receiver. That may change. You know, I'm looking at Debo Samuel sitting at my number four spot. 
I want to see more consistency out of Debo Samuel. He and Paris Campbell are, are, are two guys that, to me, are, are, are kind of frustrating. I want to see them be difference makers week in and week out. And, uh, you know, I'm not always seeing that from the two of them. And uh, hopefully they'll have a couple of games that uh, can be their signature games for um, for this season. Uh, Caden Smith, as I said, you know, the tight end, you know, I think top tight end in this draft. Uh, draft class, 6'5", 252-pound junior, um, was the leading receiver, six receptions, nine, uh, 95 yards, um, just a weapon over the middle. You know, just, a, a, again, another guy who does a really good job using his body to his advantage, um, shielding defenders from the ball, um, a weapon up the seam, and, uh, you know, able to create some mismatches, extends for the football, um, able to high point the ball as well. Um, but another receiver that uh, was making a name for himself, you know, only a junior as well, is Dylan Mitchell out of Oregon. 6'2", 189 pounds, uh, vertical route, 53-yard uh, touchdown, ran by the corner, uh, got deep, um, you know, came across the middle, juked out two defenders, and ultimately, uh, I'm sorry, it wasn't a touchdown pass, but, uh, you know, 53-yard reception, excellent route running, you know, understands, um, you know, how to uh, set up his man and, and create separation late. Um, you know, does a good job attacking the seam. You know, he's a weapon over the middle. It just seemed like every time he turned around, this guy was getting open, and uh, Stanford was just really struggling. You know, with with being able to cover the guy. Fourteen receptions, two hundred thirty nine yards on the day. Uh, Bryce Love, you know, was a guy who, you know, was basically che- kept in check for much of the game. Nineteen carries for just fifty nine yards and a touchdown. But the thing that you saw out of Bryce Love was the patience. His ability to wait for his blockers and then that quick stutter and then go, that burst to shoot through the hole, that quick acceleration. Um, at any point, that suddenness is going to is going to be dynamic. Um, you know, the the 23-yard touchdown that he had, he was patient. Uh, ultimately, got skinny getting through the hole. Just found a small crease, pops out the other side to the second level, accelerates away from defenders. Um, you know, and, and really. You know, the, the other thing that, that Bryce Love, you know, because he added 10 to 12 pounds of muscle, showed more of a leg drive, showed that, you know, he wasn't going to go down to first contact, able to drive the pile a little bit more. And I think that really helps him with his draft stock. You know, he's 5'10", 202 pounds, the explosiveness, he's a lot faster than a lot of the other guys here in the draft, you know, but uh, he's going to have to show that he is physical, that he can um, be the feature back, that he's not going to wear down during games. And uh, I think adding that that muscle uh, to his frame is definitely shown. But Justin Herbert, I said 78% passer on the game. You know, he, he started out, you know, it was 12 of 13 um, at one point, uh, 21 and 23 at another point, ultimately finished the game. Uh, let's see, he was 26 of 33 for 346 yards, um, five touchdowns, or I'm sorry, three touchdowns and, a, and an interception. And, uh, you know, Justin Herbert, 6'6", 233 pounds. I think what really stood out to me was his ability. He did a great job um, seeing the entire field, going through his progressions, the eye discipline. Um, you know, I, I thought that was one of the things, too, that you know, he was able to hold off the safety um, to be able to get the ball to a, to his open receiver. Um, you know, eyes down the field when he was on the move. Um, you know, does a really good job, you know, um, setting his feet. And then, you know, when the receiver coming free, able to go ahead and hit him in stride. Um, 
the the zip on the football. That's one of the things that was next level style zip. You know, um, being able to fit the ball in the tight windows, uh, the ball would get there and arrive in a hurry. Able to put the ball on a receiver um, with with his deep ball accuracy. Um, you know, the athleticism, rolling out, um, throwing a bullet to the receiver. Um, and, and really, I think maybe the, the biggest thing um, to take away was the anticipation. A lot of his passes were out of his hand before the receiver was either out of their break or before they were even turning to look for the football. And, you know, that those timing on those routes and the ability to anticipate um, where his man is going to be, that's next level stuff. And he was picking apart the Stanford defense throughout much of the game, being able to make those plays. And, you know, I thought that was something that really stood out to me was, you know, when Justin Herbert was going, um, you know, he was very difficult to stop. And then finally, the athleticism. You know, this is a, a, a kid, you know, again, 6'6", 230 pounds, um, but uh, able to run the ball. You know, it just seemed to be be running the, you know, just making plays, getting out on the, out on the perimeter, had a 23-yard run. Um, you know, able to, you know, off of his own read, came around and, and had a, had a quick burst. You know, I wasn't really expecting that, but, you know, the acceleration, getting up to top speed in a hurry um, was something that really stood out. He was a threat to run, um, you know, a, a guy who had very good accuracy on the short to intermediate balls, able to push the ball down the field, um, had the arm strength to be able to throw the ball from the from the, the near hash to the wide side of the field with an outbreaking route outside the numbers, um, and really the accuracy um, on his passes outside the numbers, not just over the middle, but outside, um, you know, is something to me that at the end of the day, Justin Herbert for me is the number one quarterback prospect. You know, the other thing too is is this kid put on 20 pounds of muscle coming into the season, and you can see that he's a lot stronger in the pocket. He's able to avoid some of the the uh, uh, defenders. You know, able to shake off blocks, able to actually pick up some extra yards, running the football as well. Um, so Justin Herbert, this was a game that I think NFL. Um, teams are going to be watching the tape, the ability to, like I said, anticipate. Um, you know, some of the times there were the receivers, you know, if you didn't have quick hands getting the hands up, that ball was going to go off your face mask, um, going to go off your chest. Um, so you had to be ready for that that ball because it was going to be there, especially when as soon as you turned, that ball was going to be there. But it also allowed, you know, Dylan Mitchell, who was, was the, the primary beneficiary of, of, uh, of Justin Herbert's, um, you know, passes um that was ultimately allowing him to to make plays after the catch um and and get the ball up the field i thought that was something that was evident throughout the throughout the game so those were all the games that i was able to get through um for week four if we look at week five just getting through these these games really quickly um it sounds like my my lab figaro seems like just about every time uh we get to around this point She's wanting to go outside, so I got to make this quick. Um, but tomorrow we've got UCLA and Colorado. Um, you know, going into Boulder. You know, UCLA. What are they going to be able to do? You know, Colorado. For me, I really want to see what Steven Montez is going to be able to do here. Um, 855 yards passing, eight touchdowns, um, and then Lavisca Chenault. You know, the receiver already 26 receptions, 455 yards, three touchdowns. Someone to keep an eye on there. Um, you know, if we look at you know the some of the other games to to watch. Obviously, um, I'm going to be t- keeping an eye on West Virginia and Texas Tech. Uh, Will Greer against the freshman Alan Bowman. Um, 
really want to see what that's um, what that matchup's going to look like. Um, you know, the the receivers of West Virginia versus the receivers of Texas Tech, um, Antoine Wesley and T.J. Basher, uh, a couple of big receivers there for for Tech um, underclassmen um, who can make some plays and can you know, play with the level of uh, of David Sills and 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 Gary Jennings and, and Marcus Sims. Um, as I scroll through here, some of the other games to, to kind of keep an eye on. I'm, you know, I want to watch Buffalo. They're going to take on Army. Buffalo's 4-0. Um, Tyree Jackson, over 1,000 yards passing, 15 touchdowns already on the year. And then obviously, you know, you've got Khalil Hodge, um, the, the, the linebacker, um, 150 tackles just a season ago. Anthony Johnson, 1,300 yards receiving last year as well. Um, and then if you take a look at... Let's see, who else do we have as I scroll through some of these stats here? Georgia taking on Tennessee, um, being able to watch uh, Jake Fromm do his thing. Um, and then that defense also, um, explosive defense. OU taking on Baylor, uh, number six ranked uh, Sooners. You know, they dropped one in the polls. Um, taking on a, a Baylor team much improved, um, you know, under Matt Rule. Um, Texas taking on K-State to travel to K-State. Um, but you know, Kansas state right now just isn't getting the quarterback play that they need. That's going to get them into trouble right now. Um, you know, as we scroll through, see what else we have. Um, Florida state, they're sitting at two and two right now. They're taking on Louisville also two and two have a chance to ultimately, um, you know, get past the, the 500 mark. Um, so that would be a game to keep an eye on. Um, Utah taking on Washington State. Um, you know, Washington State, you know, looking to rebound off of uh, you know, the loss to, to USC. Garrett uh, Gardner Minshew um, for, for, for Washington State offensively. And then you have Zach Moss, um, the ground game for the Utes. Um, let's see. Virginia Tech looking to try to bounce back. They're going against Duke. Duke, the 22-ranked Blue Devils are, are 4-0. Um, you know, that's a team, you know, they've got Britton Brown running the football, um, can Virginia Tech bounce back, you know, Justin Fuente, you know, he's got a young team are, you know, that's going to be a big question. Are they going to be able to respond? How do they respond? Uh, Wyoming taking on, uh, Boise state, uh, Boise state two and one on the year, Wyoming two and two, you know, I want to see what Wyoming's defense, you know, I, I talk about a lot of the pro prospects on there. Um, you know, they'll get a chance to perform against, uh, you know, a really good um, Boise State offense. So I really am I'm looking forward to that. Iowa State, David Montgomery taking on TCU. I wouldn't be surprised if the Cyclones end up beating the Horned Frogs. Um, Hakeem Butler on the outside, also a pro prospect there for Iowa State to keep an eye on. Um, one of the big games to watch, you know, there are two top 10 battles. Um, one of those is going to be Ohio State versus Penn State. Um, Ohio State going into um, University Park, uh, Beaver Stadium, taking on the number nine ranked Penn State Nittany Lions. Um, Dwayne Haskins, a guy that we haven't really talked about too much, but, you know, he's 87 of, 50, uh, of 115, 1,194 yards, 16 touchdowns on the year. Um, definitely a guy who needs to be mentioned um, you know, he could end up coming out at the end of this year. Um, but I, I think if, if I'm him, I, I look at being the number one quarterback in the 2020 draft. Um, if, if I'm him, 
Um, but Ohio State, I don't think it's going to be a gimme. You know, Urban Meyer, just a second game, um, getting to take on Penn State. Penn State has a lot of young guys on defense, but that defense just seems to be growing up game after game. And, uh, you know, that offense really showed how they can be explosive. 42-1 answered against Illinois. Um, they, they've been putting up quite a bit of points. Stanford taking on Notre Dame. They're at Notre Dame Stadium, number seven ranked, uh, you know, Stanford Cardinal. Notre Dame just looks like a different team with with Ian Book. Um at quarterback, but but Stanford again, KJ uh, Costello throwing the football, JJ Arcega Whiteside, Caden Smith, Colby Parkinson, uh, those receivers I think will be too much for Notre Dame. South Carolina, uh, two and one on the year, taking on the undefeated Kentucky Wildcats. You know they, they played in Kroger Field when they when they upset Mississippi State. I don't anticipate there to be anything any difference here. You know against South Carolina, um, Benny Snell. And I just realized, I don't think we even talked about Benny Snell. Um, Benny Snell, to me, you know, like I said, he, he runs runs with um, runs with attitude. You know, and you, you see him, you know, the, the vision, the cutback lanes, the ability to run through, run through contact. You know, so he runs with power. He also has the speed to, um, to take it the distance. You know, to me, he's a complete back running the football. Um, you know, I, I think just that, that the vision, the patience that, that he runs, 25 carries, 165 yards, four touchdowns against Mississippi State. Again, he's the real deal. Moving up my draft boards, I'm putting him at least at number three, um, you know, behind you know, Bryce Love and, and David Montgomery. But he's somebody who could end up being the number one running back in this class when it's all said and done. Um, watch him against the Gamecocks. I think, um, you know, Kentucky has a good chance of going 5-0 and on the year. Washington taking on BYU. I want to see what Washington, you know, is going to do against a, a tough physical team like BYU. Uh, Miles Gaskin, you know, three straight seasons with 1,300 yards on the ground. Um, you know, and then Jake Browning there at quarterback. Um, you know, really want to see if they can get some explosive plays against BYU. Um, LSU taking on Ole Miss. You know, Ole Miss, um, that, that defense. Uh, a, a porous one. Alabama really, really had a field day against them. You can watch AJ Brown take on uh, Greedy Williams. That'll be a fun matchup to watch. Um, and then obviously the pass rushers there for LSU taking on Greg Little, the left tackle. Another fun matchup that, uh, that you'll get to see. Um, Oregon taking on Cal. Battle of two ranked opponents there at, um, in the Pac-12. Cal ranked number 24 in the country. Um, they're three and zero on the year. And then uh, Justin Herbert and the Ducks, number 19 overall. And, uh, you know, really Justin Herbert, for me, that's that's the, that's who I'm tuning in to watch. You know, the connection of Herbert to Mitchell uh, was dynamic against Stanford. Can they do it again against the, the Golden Bears? And then finally, USC taking on Arizona. Want to see what, uh, you know, what Khalil, um, Khalil Tate's going to do. Um, you know, he, he's kind of underperformed um, for the most part here. Um, Sean Point Dexter, the receiver on the outside, he'll probably be matched up most of the game with Iman Marshall. Can Iman Marshall step up? Because that is Khalil Tate's favorite target. Um, and then JT Daniels, what's that development going to look like? Is he going to be making the plays? Is he going to be making the right reads? Right now, he's he's making the reads of a freshman, but at some point, everything is clicking. It seemed like it started to there in that Washington State game. That's really what you want to see there at the end of the season. Um, or at, at the middle of the season here, um, if USC wants to really take that next step forward. And I think I may have lost power. 
got to check and make sure that I didn't lose power here. Sweet. I'm still recording, but that is it, my friends. Um, I need to go ahead and take care of my lab, Figaro. I got to go ahead and let her out, um, let her outside before uh, we call it a night. But uh, thank you for joining. Again, um, you can listen to the Ready for the Draft podcast um, you know, on, on Apple iTunes. Um, it's also available for download um, on, on iHeartRadio, Google Play, uh, Stitcher. Um, you know, hope you're enjoying the, the podcast as much as I am putting this together. Um, I've got another 18 to 20 games that I plan on watching over the weekend. So I'll be able to bring some more of that coverage to you. Hopefully I'll be able to get through and, and be able to watch some more teams that are in the uh, the FBS because, again, my goal is to watch at least one game from all 130 FBS programs. I'm hoping to be able to go ahead and bring all of that to you as well. Um, so once again, looking forward to week five. Um, you know, it's not the end of September just yet, um, but uh, last week in September, hopefully we make it a good one. And uh, hope everyone enjoys the rest of their weekend. And uh, until then, I am out of here. Take care, everyone.